Good evening, everybody. It's Andrew Davis from Toon Talk Radio with Gravity Radio Northeast. How is how is everybody? Well, it was an interesting weekend. Uh, I must admit, I haven't normally been the type of person that watches a game and uh, then you have to watch uh, the other team that are below you, watch them try and uh, either get a draw or lose the game. It's really, really uncomfortable. But when you put into context the two games that we played in that week against Man City, who did, who actually thinks that Newcastle should have actually won that game? Because I must admit, I did think we needed to win that game. And uh, then we went to Liverpool, where I don't think anybody expected us to win that game. And, of course, we got, it, we got a draw out of it. I've been 2 nil down at half-time. Is it the Rafa effect? Is it the fact that we're getting lucky? Are we, are we too late? Do you think we, we have a chance? There's so many things going on with the Rafa effect. And, obviously, tonight, with my, one of my main guests, my co-host, that's been with me all season, it's Neil Mitchell in Dubai. Good evening, Neil. How are you? Good evening, Andrew. How are you, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, so, first things first, Tom Brady's been banned <laughs> to play for the, oh. the Patriots. Made my day, that me, did. Don't, don't get me started on the played gate, mate. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Oh, and, yeah, okay. Uh, and uh, when, when you you see too many things, and I know I'm going to wind up some pals who are, <laughs> who are Patriots fans and who, are, who do a lot of stuff on fantasy football, fantasy American football, Um but frankly, there's too many coincidences with radio interference on headsets and mm. softballs and bloody all kinds. It, it's it's too coincidental. There's no such thing as coincidence, in my opinion. Um, and and the, the way the mo- mobile phone was destroyed and the SIM card mm. was destroyed and all of that, I'm sorry, that just stinks. It stinks to high heaven. Um, so just why don't they just suck it up and get on with it? I mean, it, it, it's it's not like... It's not. I mean, when Brady was out for a few games last season, they, did, they didn't do too badly. So it's not like they'll struggle, really. Yeah. Um, it's a big long season, and 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 it's all about the prize at the end of the day. It's not about you know that him missing four games isn't going to hurt them too much. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Remember, you can catch the show tonight on www.toontalk.co.uk or you can go to www.gravityradio.co.uk and remember, when the show is done tonight, it will be straight out on iTunes, on the show, straight away, right after the show, and it will also be on Twitter under Andrew14, where you can listen to me and Neil and our various guests tonight talk all about Newcastle United and Sunderland. Uh, before we start the guests coming in, obviously we do have Susan and we do have Kev. What Kev's driving at the moment? So, uh, what do you think? Uh, what was your thoughts on um, on Sunderland? Uh, because they they had a pretty interesting game. I think for me that they're the one team I fear more than anybody. What do you think, uh, Neil? Well, they've got Jimmy and Defoe, who, who's proven time and time again he can grab a goal. They've, they've tightened up at the back. Um, though I thought Arsenal were poor for all of the possession they had. Yesterday, from what I saw of the game, I caught bits of it uh, in and out. Um, I certainly think both teams could and should have probably had a penalty. Um, and I think I think Yunus Kabul was lucky to get away with the push towards the end. Um, but to be honest with you, um, I think a draw was probably a flare reflection of the game. My my Arsenal supporting mates over here were spitting feathers. Uh, they, they weren't happy at all. Um, a point's really not that good for them when it's using up their games in hand. Mm. Um, but you can see them sneaking three points here and there. That's why I genuinely believe we're in a position where we've got to win 
all three games to give ourselves a chance to stay up. Um, and I'll probably ramble on a bit more about this through the night, <clears throat> undoubtedly. Um, but uh, from what I saw, the, the game, that I'll tell you the one thing that bothers me about both Sunderland and Norwich is they both have to play Everton. And Everton look like they've packed up for the season. That's that's the thing that could screw us is that they've not won in seven games in the Premier League and they're now out of the cup at the semi-final stage. There are fans who are being given a lot of rope. If we were chanting for Martin as his head in this position, we'd be being called all kinds. They're they're being let off by for one reason or another. Um, because to be honest with you, that they're, they're, they're safe in mid-table. Yes, they're probably in the league underachieved for what they've got this season, but they've got to a cup semi-final, and they've never looked in danger of relegation. Um, so what more do they want? Are they regularly in the Champions League? No. In fact, they messed up that chance to go and play in the Champions League because they got knocked out on a penalty shootout, if I remember correctly, once. So, you know, um, it's, it's an interesting situation for them, but... What worries me is that both Norwich and Sunderland both have to play Everton, and Everton just look like they've given up, and that's not good. That that puts even more pressure on us. It's why I said to you last week, um, I'd have been delighted with two points, and I'm amazed we got two points, and the way we got two points out of these two games. But really think, to genuinely give us a chance to stay up, I think we probably, probably uh, would have needed... Um, Wanted to turn one of those points into three, but we'll see. It, it's we're not mathematically down. Mm. The fat lady ain't singing yet, and that's the way we've just got to keep looking at it. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd I'd rather ha- always because we learned this when we lost the title to Man United. I'd rather have points on the board than games in hand. Mm. Yeah, I think this time yeah, of the season, yeah. and also put it in perspective. Both Norwich and Sunderland's win percentages this season are great. That's why they're in this mire with us. Mm. And now they're both being told that they've, they're probably both, to secure their place, have to win three out of four. And they've not done that all season. Mm. And, you know, we've got, we, we've got two potentially winnable games. And then what could be the showdown of showdowns? Tottenham come on the last day, oh, God, us to try and stay up them to try and win the league. That could be mental. I hope by the last day Leicester have got to put to bed. Yeah, I don't hold any I don't hold any joy for Leicester given our past history between the two clubs. But frankly fair play to them and good luck to them. Um mm-hmm. and I hope they've got to put to bed because then we might get a, a team of Pochettino's Benz come up. Um and if we need three points out of the last game to stay up then then we've got a better chance, haven't we? Mm, exactly. Well, there's one person that can put us straight on everything when it comes to Newcastle United, Sunderland, Wrexham, uh, Leeds United. God, the list goes on and on. It's Bryn Law, Sky Sports reporter, based in Leeds, heart in Wales, music and fashion were always a passion. Corner of Wrexham AFC. Good evening, Bryn. How are you? I'm very well. Yourself? I'm not too bad. We've got Neil Neil Mitchell, uh, my co-host, is in Dubai as well this evening, so he'll have a few questions for you. Right, so fire away, whatever you want. So obviously, <laughs> so tell me, I get I get to the easy one, should I? Obviously, yeah, because uh, be you've been a, f- a fan of Leeds and Wrexham. Uh, well, fan of Wrexham, been in Leeds for a long time. Right. So tell me, Wrexham, what is it? I actually find your tweets very, very good because you're very, very honest when you're talking about um, 
your hometown team when it comes to Wrexham and you know obviously the, the, with their leads as well but um, what made you decide to get involved and in, in obviously at that level uh, for Wrexham because obviously it's been a, a, giant, a sleeping giant for many many years and many many cup runs and what's um, what made you get involved now? Yeah, we've knocked Newcastle out of the cup a few times down the years, haven't we, Aye. to be fair? <laughs> uh, I was wondering when you were going to do that. I, I, was, I was still on the cop once uh, in about 1982 when we beat Newcastle 4-2 in a league game. In a league game. Can you imagine that? Look where we are now. Eighth in, the, in non-league. Um, mm. So our, our paths have, have definitely, you know, as bad as it may ever seem at Newcastle, just remember that once we met as equals, Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've gone a long way down now, but I started watching them, well, around about that time in 1979, when I, I moved there, I moved to Wrexham from Liverpool, and it's just what you do, isn't it? You go, and, I, I, you know, I could have been a Liverpool fan that just won the European Cup for the second time, but I went to watch my first Wrexham game, and uh, we beat Blackburn Rovers, we beat Blackburn Rovers 2-1, with nearly 10,000 people in the ground, and that was me in then, from there on, basically, mm-hmm. so... Um, I've stuck with it from from that point forwards, and it's uh, now it's an interesting time because obviously, the, uh, for those who don't know, the club is owned by the fans at Wrexham. Uh, mm. We're a trust-run club, and the success of the club recently has been in what's happened off the field, not what's happened on it. We've turned around a mm. big debt um, that we inherited when we took the club over, having suffered a number of years of, of pretty rubbish management and ownership, mm. and uh, we've turned all that round. We're making a small profit. We made a small profit last year. We have to make a bigger profit, obviously, next year. We've got control of the stadium back because the stadium had to be sold uh, in a part of the uh, ownership buyout previously. So we've got that back. So things are looking good off the pitch, and we're enjoying the experience of actually owning our own club and making our own mistakes, if you like. And, it, and you know, it's, it's one of the things I do talk about quite a lot. I would heartily recommend it. Uh, the experience of being in charge of your own destiny uh, is is an exciting one, and you know there are bigger clubs I think further down the line who may may sort uh, move towards that as an experience. You know, in mm. in the city I live in now, in in Leeds, a massive football club here, mm. as you guys know, with a awesome. huge support, mm. but just yeah. in such a terrible, a terrible gym. mess. Yeah. You know, and it's sad to see because this is a Premier League city and it needs a Premier League football club and the clubs are, you know, a million miles away currently and and it's one of those I I would I look at the situation in Leeds and just think surely this is crying out for a new type of a new crack at the ownership model here because this mm-hmm. is not working. I think it's like he, he, obviously Neil would probably know more about this because obviously when he was part of the the fans forum trying to get Newcastle well, fans together but yeah. ca- um, Andrew, I was actually yeah. founding chair of Newcastle United Supporters Trust. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is something we try to do very much at Newcastle. And we try to put a fans buy together when we got relegated the last time in 2008. And that was when we finally had everybody pulling in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, in some respects, the unfortunate thing for us was we got, got promoted and the price suddenly mm-hmm. jumped up to a point where we couldn't, couldn't make it work even with the business model that we had. Um, I think I've watched Wrexham very closely because I'm very interested in all the, the trust-run clubs and I, and I think what Bryn's done there is fabulous. Um, I have to say, Bryn, you, you've done a great job and I think you've hit the nail on the head. Leeds could well be the, the first of the bigger clubs, if you will, that could be set up for something different like that mm. if you get the right people behind it. But you do need to have people prepared to leave their own egos and agendas at the door yeah. and come in together 
okay. um, with, to keep the same objective because that's what, in my experience, tends to undermine any fans grouped organization where you get different um, branches of the clan together, so to speak, and then egos and agenda get involved, and that's what the last thing you need in something like that, wouldn't you Absolutely, say? Absolutely, yeah, that's, that's bang on. I mean, the, 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 there are a number of different people involved, uh, you know, at boardroom level at Wrexham. They're all supporters. That's the key fact. Nobody's put in them. Nobody's mm. got their own, other than their membership, their trust membership. We all pay trust membership every month, but apart from that, you can pay whatever level you want at that. It doesn't get you any more. It doesn't buy you any more. Uh, and everyone in that boardroom is paying for their own tickets for the matches and is a trust member. So you come at it on an equal footing. You can be whatever you like outside of the boardroom. You know, you could be red, blue, um, right, left, whatever it might be. It's, everybody comes together for the good of the football club. And that is a tricky one. That's been a big problem. I think it's fair to say at Leeds. You know, as bigger, the yeah. bigger the fan base, the more passionate the fan base. But unfortunately, that passion has manifested itself yeah. in Chilino in, Chilino out. Is that you know, in, in the <laughs> most recent instance. <laughs> <laughs> the, the interesting thing I found: what's it like when, obviously, Gates had went quite close, didn't they, uh, when it came to getting getting back into the league, yeah. and then um, I, I did expect Gary Mills to go to, uh, um, I suppose, a league club. But he went to Wrexham, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, we, we, we took... I mean, Gateshead are one of those examples. It, it, it's a frustrating thing where we are now. You know, our gates this year have been fantastic. 4,500 average gate this year. Okay. Uh, and we'll finish 8th or ninth in the, in the league this year. We've had, you know, a couple of gates over nearly 7,000. Away support's been fantastic. Um, regularly taking 1,000 or 1,000-plus 1, fans to away games. So the support level, people are really buying into the idea of this is our club and every penny that we put into this club is spent on this club. And I think people really enjoy that concept. The problem in the league we're in is perhaps the same as the Premier League in many ways in that there are smaller clubs than ours that have owners with bigger pockets. And to a large extent, Gateshead's an example of that, I think, because I think the fan base there is pretty poor. It hasn't picked up. It hasn't got bigger, despite the success they've enjoyed. And they were a better side than us last year. Um, you know, and could end up, I think, a better side than us this year as well. And the frustration there is that there are teams like Forest Green. We played Braintree on Saturday in a, in a key game that we lost, and Braintree brought 79 fans with them. Uh, and that's with them, you know, in the playoffs and looking like they're going to have a really good chance of possibly getting promoted to the football league. And their average gate's about six or seven, I don't know, seven, seven, eight hundred. Um, Dover, who are in there, their average gate will be less than a thousand, I'm pretty sure, as well. And again, another side that doesn't take fans away with it. You know, these are clubs that I have to say, as well as they do in Eastleigh, Forest Green, Dover, Braintree, there is no tradition in those towns of, of no. you know, of a successful football club, and yet, unfortunately, financially, we find it difficult to compete with them. Because in each and every one of those examples that I've just, I've just named, they have a rich guy behind them who, mm. who's helping out and making sure that the, you know, the bills are paid, if you like, despite the numbers that come in through the turnstiles. I think the problem with with Gated, like I'm obviously I'm in Gated myself, but it's quite, it's not quite close to. Um, you know, I suppose where the metro is, yeah. it's a bit out there. It's when it gets, you know, it's windy. It's a big, massive oh, Gator Stadium. You know, it's, it's not. I've, I've watched games there. It's a miserable experience. Oh. I've been in the away end. It's, uh, it's horrible times, at least. It's rubbish. <laughs> You're so far from the pitch, aren't you? For yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think Gates' fortunes would pick up if if they ever did get back to their own ground. I know this keeps mm. going on about yeah. potentially things on you. I think it was on Prince Concert Road, isn't it, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Where there's, there's talk, mm-hmm. they keep talking about building the ground there, and mm-hmm. they were talking about that before I left the UK, and that's nearly five years ago now. You know, and, and it it sort of goes round and round in circles. It's interesting what you say, Brian, about people with deep pockets. I know I've got a, a good pal who relocated down to Truro, and he yeah. kept filling me in on, on Truro's progress, and I think they had something like seven promotions in six in, in eight years, and was steaming through the league, but now apparently the chairman's shut his purse and well, yeah, throwing his toys yeah, out of the cotton. They, 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 they got very close to extinction last year, yeah. um, but then yeah. they've been re, reborn again. <laughs> That's right, oh, God. and they're on the cusp of um, you know they've got potential for promotion to the conference, mm. so that could be an away trip now of next season. Well, but, uh, I, I, I know there was hell on Cornwall. That's for sure. Well, I know there was hell on when they got one promotion and they had to restructure one of the leagues because some of the teams couldn't afford the the trip. Yeah. And it was it just you because I mean you 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 get to exit there and you still got a hell of a long way to go. Yeah. Oh yeah, isn't it? <laughs> and 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 this is the problem. It it at that level is when you're trying to compete with that, even as a very well-run trust and you're making a profit and it sounds like you've got everybody pulling in the right direction and everybody behind it and yet ultimately, like at other levels in the yeah. game, m- money ultimately talks and it's yeah. so frustrating. It is, it is. You want and to see and it the higher up the ladder you go, as you guys probably found, well, mm. you, you said it, you know, actually, the promotion was the thing that, that probably scuppered your, your, your plans of taking mm. over because as the sums get bigger, mm. it gets more difficult to convince people that this is a viable this is a viable option. That's that's happened at Leeds. You know, Leeds fans say we want pro- promotion to the Premier League, and a fans-owned model will not bring in enough cash to do no, that. No, it won't. You know, well, won't I would say it might do further down the line, but you might have to be patient here. You know, that you restructure this thing because Leeds needs root and branch reform. It needs mm-hmm. a start again effectively. At the moment, you know, the, 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 there's no way to see the beyond the fact that they've, they've got to get this completely different. It's got to, it's, it's got to start again. And it, it's not going to happen. It just isn't good. The sums are too big as well in that sense, you know, in mm-hmm. a negative, if you like. But people do get hung up on this idea that we can't bring in. So the model, perhaps, that you will look at is that of Swansea City where you've got a mixture there, and hopefully even after the mm. proposed takeover there, that yeah. they'll still have that 20% at least um, shareholding that belongs to the fans, and they have that place in the boardroom, because I think that's key. Right. At least you've got an eye on what's going on at the club all the time. Mm. I, I know every, everybody looks at the um, at the German model and heals mm. the, the 49 plus one in Germany, but everybody forgets that's been up and running for so long. And everything's quite well entrenched and quite well run and historical. And everybody's done it. There's only two teams, I think, exempted from it. Yeah. And they have to play by very strict rules to keep them at level pegging. But there, um, there are clubs in Germany who want to get away from that model because they say yeah. they can't compete. So <laughs> it's yeah. perennial. You know, the more that money's come into the game, <laughs> the, the bigger this, this conflict has become. And the more... You know, in a sense, the, the more the stark the differences between one type of model and the other type of model. Um, it would be great to see. I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see sort of a, a, a one day when everybody was, we were all matched up in the same way. You know, everybody had that opportunity to represent or, or to 
get involved in the running of their club, but I'm not naive enough to suspect that we're anywhere too close to that at the moment. <laughs> well, well, how can how can Chilino get away with that? Like at Leeds, uh, there was obviously he was big. He was said, "Oh, I've been banned. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it." Then he started to talk with uh, Leeds trusts, and they're obviously trying to get Russell Crowe involved. And yeah. it, it came up that he was that he was he was looking to he was he was giving them a a chance to do it. Then he suddenly takes it away. But if he's banned from um, taking part in the league and yeah. part of the process. How can he be allowed to still run that club if he's if he's eventually banned? Well, that's that's the bit that nobody quite understands. I mean, he's been banned once already, and yet yeah. things ostensibly seem to carry on. If if somebody is banned, you would anticipate the next step is that they, because they're banned, they have to get out and move the thing on and pass it on to somebody else. Well, that that didn't didn't really appear to happen on the on the previous occasion. There's another one, I think, pending now, potentially, isn't there? So, um, mm-hmm. again, I suppose there's the potential for that. But there doesn't seem any... I don't know if the next bit exists in terms of... You know, this is almost uncharted territory for the Football League. OK, we've banned the guy in charge. Now what? You know, because then you'd, you'd anticipate, I suppose, that it's not only a ban, but it's a ban and a sort of cease and desist. You've got to go now. But if the guy decides he's going to stay in situ effectively and just have other people run it for him which I think is what happened at Leeds mm-hmm. previously it's always difficult yeah. to tell at Leeds these days but um, <laughs> if that's what happened previously then what's to stop him doing exactly the same thing again and then mm-hmm. at the end of the ban you know the status quo is maintained that's, uh, that's where the, the whole thing seems a bit toothless in a way if you can't enforce it properly then it doesn't seem an awful lot of point in having it well it seems to be lead, it, it's leading to like a bad situation because every time he he brings a new manager he gets rid of them within like I'm, I can just imagine a contract he gives you talk about Mark Ashley zero hours <laughs> he, he must just say listen you're on a temp deal uh, it's week to week but you well, can't tell them talk, talk at Leeds about a one week rolling contract um, because <laughs> yeah. it, it, Steve Evans is now with the longest serving yeah. uh, Chilino manager and 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 every week there are, or every day almost there are, there is the speculation that he's coming to the end of his tenure as well that somebody mm. else has been lined up and and that will happen whether that's true or not that will happen now at Leeds because that's mm. the sort of situation that the club is in currently you know that that sort of atmosphere um, pervades around the club and I know I've been here a long time I've been in Leeds for over 20 years now so I have a lot of friends who are Leeds United mm. supporters. A lot of friends who are Legion, who were Leeds United season ticket holders, and a lot of them have given up those season tickets, and, and more are thinking about it. You know, this coming summer, despite this this um, unusual season ticket offer, where you'll get a refund at the end of it if the club <laughs> don't make the playoffs. Um, which is an interesting one. Well, that, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Because even even with Newcastle now putting all their baskets in for for Benitez, the doomsday scenario. Is look well. Obviously, we we don't know at the moment, but um, with Benitez, it, it's he's completely got the the love and the trust of Newcastle United fans. What's your take on him? Because that was um, quick. I, yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be. It's, you guys are feast and famine up there, aren't you? I've seen. <laughs> he's Rafa is now the man. He's the he's the saviour. Well, that was good. Because he, he's anyway. he's somebody he's somebody that. He, he's he's done everything, Rin. Yeah. And I think um, as soon as 
like I, I personally, I was convinced we're going down. Every time I, people talk about it at work or wherever, wherever I am, I was always, I would watch the game, and I'm sure if Neil's the same, you'd watch it, and you don't feel anything. Yeah. Because it's just it's been knocked. It's a bit like Leeds because you know yeah. I've got family and friends who all live down there, and you know they you know, they're becoming immune to it just like we are. So well, when you've got Benitez, you know, mm. anger is one thing, but mm. anger is at least an emotion, not apathy. A passion. Yeah. Uh, apathy is the one that clubs really have to fear when people just turn up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because then they're at the point where they're ready to call it a day. Then because they're not even. The past, the, the past caring, as you as you suggest, mm. and I've sent. I said that the recent trips up to uh, up to Newcastle, mm. that atmosphere in the ground has has been difficult. God. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the game I remember was last season at Swansea when you got a two-two draw, uh, and Alan Pardew was um, under pressure, mm. and that, that away end obviously was full at Swansea, and so loads of people had made that huge trip down there to to back the team in good numbers Mm. but then couldn't bring themselves the the large majority of people couldn't bring themselves to celebrate the two goals you scored because scoring Mm. the goals meant that Alan Pardew was kind of off the hook for another week and it was a really strange atmosphere really strange sort of fan dynamic on that on that afternoon you ended up getting the draw a decent draw at Swansea Mm. but it didn't seem that anybody could be happy about it because the bigger picture was that the, the fans didn't want Alan Pardew in charge, and mm. that was going to help him maybe stay on for another week because it was a positive result. And that was that strange. I'm, I'm not sure, even though you, you, you've changed the manager and all the rest mm. of it a couple of times. I'm, I don't know. Have you managed to escape from that sort of sense around things at the moment? I think when McLaren was in, um, you know, I think at the start of the season there was uh, rumours that Patrick Cla- Patrick Vieira was going to come in. And for good or bad, at least it sent an electricity um, of hope to the fans because we thought, well, Patrick Vieira is going to be no mug. He's not going to he's not going to come in and um, you know say, well, yeah, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And then here, Presto, within 48 hours, um, you know, he obviously uh, said he wasn't happy with it. Um, and then, as expected, because the club, the way the, cl- the club was being run. Everybody's granddad knew it was going to be Steve McLaren, yeah. and even when he comes in, he comes in the back door, and he, he comes in with no authority. As a, I, I can't obviously you you probably have met him. I don't know, but um, yeah, yeah. when you meet him, he's like he comes across as um, as a person that you know you can. He's a, he smiles all the time, and to me, you can never really take him seriously. Like I like to see at least, at least with Benitez when he talks. He holds your attention because he's, he, you know, he tells you what's going on, and and, and he's, he's a winner. When you look yeah. at Steve, give me your thoughts on Steve McLaren because obviously you've met you met with him. But give me your well, give me your take like on that. him. Uh, Steve, I dealt with. I, I felt at Newcastle that he was trying really, really hard. I mean, there are things in in on Steve's CV that that are, are bizarre things that still impact upon him now. And, and you would talk about you know doing the Dutch accent thing. Is still anything, you know. People still refer back to that, and I do some some um, media coaching with with the Welsh FA with um, A and Pro Licence managers and coaches. In fact, Patrick Vieira has been on one of the courses, and you you know it's one of those reference points in a sense where you say to people, you, the stuff you do now stays with you forever because you can't get rid you, that exists out there. If it's on YouTube, you can't get rid of it effectively. 
and that Steve McLaren interview, for instance, is on YouTube. So people will always, that will always be used, and there's the Wally with the Broly headline and all the rest of it. These things are used as a stick to beat him uh, immediately that things start going a bit awry. And mm. I think, he, I think he, he, he's a bright enough bloke to know that he carries this with him now. And I felt he was trying really, really hard at Newcastle to sort of exude positivity. And I interviewed mm. him two or three times after games uh, where he'd lost. Sheffield Wednesday Cup game was one that comes to mind when he played badly as well. But he was, he was trying really hard to do the right thing to exude the positivity. But, but you know, the picture, in the, in the greater scheme of things, it may have been an impossible task that he'd taken on in a sense that unless you won 10 games in succession, unless you were in the, you know, somewhere towards the top six, he was never going to be able to get away from that, the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I get that sense a little bit in Newcastle. Like, you need that long period of success now because you've had a, you know, some some uh, you know, difficult times, if you like, and people are uh, down. And so now you're looking to Rafa Benitez as the, this is the guy. This guy now will finally make sure that we turn the corner. And he's got a great track record. And the Liverpool fans, as you'll be aware, mm-hmm. it, the vast majority seem to really well love him. You know, still mm-hmm. have enormous respect for what he did at that football club. But the big issue at Newcastle isn't necessarily Rafa Benitez or the players he's got on the pitch. It's the whole thing, isn't it? it, it you know, the whole thing has got to be has got to be focused in the right direction. Because I think as many of the problems have been not directly related to what happens on the pitch uh, recently as, as as what's happened on the pitch. It's the whole thing. Okay, Neil, you probably feel the same way I do. It's like, uh, like well, Britain says there. It's like. The trouble is now he's given Newcastle fans up. The, 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 the problem with McLaren for me was, was, was there was a point where that positivity became like he was sticking his head in the sand and refused to admit that there were problems. He, he used the word progress, and I think we were second bottom, and would be. Progress if you were I think, previously. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was, it was, and I think it was that week that we lost to Sheffield Wednesday in the cup. And he kept telling me about the progress being made, and we we're all looking at each other, going, "Well, what progress?" But exactly um, the same accusation kept... is currently being levelled at Roberto Martinez at Everton. Mm. Um, exactly. And, and Roberto's another guy who's been to the the, the coaching course, but um, a little bit slightly <laughs> ahead of when I was involved in it. But that, mm. you know, on on that course, I would say to people on that course, you should preach positivity as much as you possibly can, because the fans don't want to hear. They don't want to see a beaten man. They don't want to see somebody who hasn't got any answers anymore. But there is a mm. point um, beyond... You can go beyond that point to an extent, and that's when people start saying, I'm sorry, but he's watched a different game to me because I don't see yeah. that sign of progress. There. That's where McLaren had got to, yeah. totally. And, and the other thing he kept doing was he kept moving the goalposts. It was judge me after 10 games, <laughs> then it was 12, and then it was 16. And we're like, well, no, we made my mind up at 10, actually, Steve. Yeah. Um... But it's, but a big, it's a big ship to turn around, isn't it? Well, I, I, totally, totally, and, and it, it comes with interesting, you know, in an interesting board set up. And I think that's the other thing that that we're looking with Rafa Benitez because the understanding is, and the message that's been given out is that if, if he stays, he gets the keys to the kingdom and yeah, he can yeah. he can restructure the lot, and that's what we need. And so there's this massive amount of hope, and we're being dangled this carrot of hope on the end of a stick that we're going to be beaten with, I think. And that'll be the stick of reality, uh, unfortunately. Um, and, and it's a shame because he, he seems to be, he's bought into Newcastle United. And I think that's what the fans 
are on. We, we understand a man who already gets it. He doesn't have to get it. He's bought in day one, bang. First thing you did, day one, you're all coming in for extra training. Yeah. And, and immediately everybody's, boy, this is great. Yeah. Um, he's just bought in. And I think that's, that's, that's I think, the, where we're at with it. Um, and it's the hope that's going to kill us every time. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth there, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Because you know you you you've met him, I suppose, haven't you, Brim? Tell me, yeah, yeah, t- tell the Newcastle fans what he's like. Obviously, you know you, you can you can watch him in an interview. It, I don't think it tells a lot of the story because he is very, you know, cagey anyway. But um, yeah, Dower. I mean, he's a, you know he's a Dower, yeah. Dower, but you know, Dower is another technique, if you like, in terms of um, the way you present yourself. The the, the king of Dower um, is the guy at Manchester City currently. And, and there's been no controversy surrounding his, his time in charge of that football club, incredibly. Because if you look at the last, what is it, how many months that he's been working, knowing that he was going to leave the club at the end of the season, and yet that has not become an issue because he hasn't let his guard slip once. He gives nothing away, which means that his press conferences are incredibly dull. You know, nothing gets said, and and Rafa's Rafa's aren't that bad, but he, he's coming from. I think he's coming from a, the same mindset: is that I will give nothing away. I'll give mm-hmm. I'll give as little away as possible here, and I'll stay. I'll say even keel in public. I'll do my talking behind the scenes, in private with players. If I'm going to tell them something, I'll tell them away from the glare of the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way that he, you know, he he keeps a rein on stuff. He doesn't let he doesn't let much go, but I mean, yeah, his track record's fantastic. If I think your point is is correct, if he can, if he's granted that that, that um, ability to actually manage the football club in the way he wants to manage it, then he's got a great chance. But does he stick around if you don't stay up? I, I would suggest he can't. He, I I just don't. I think um, for a guy of that, that ability and where he's worked. I give really like they're, obviously they're talking about Spain now, yeah. and I think that would be ideal for him because he would go home, he would go to he would go to Merseyside, he would spend a lot more time there, he would go to Spain when he's needed. Um, that to me would that would be the probably the the, the not the dream scenario for him, yeah. but yeah. you can just imagine if Leeds went into uh, the situation that they went through, and I have no doubt this is this this is the problem with Newcastle, Bryn. Newcastle in more ways than one are on the are on the ledge of oblivion because if he does not stay uh, you know it's all ifs and buts isn't it at the minute but if it's if he does not stay Newcastle's plan B we never had a plan we never had a plan A <laughs> so, so how can you have a plan B and when it came to you know taking on somebody that's a yes man and, and then you've got somebody who is I would suggest ferocious like in Liverpool, he didn't he didn't take um, when he when he wanted something, he made sure they knew what he wanted, yeah. and it became so obviously uh, with uh, Gillette and uh, the other guy, um, yeah. I've got his name, there, but um, he, he decided you know I'm not going to put up with it. He won't put up with it, Newcastle. But he's I think the difference is he's got somebody that in Lee China doesn't know what he's doing anyway. So I think when it comes to um, you know deciding what he's going to do, the fear factor is. As if he goes, well, you know. Even look at look. I suppose we could talk about Aston Villa, couldn't we? Um, they haven't even been sold. They can't get um, yeah, exactly their manager right. in. 
Uh, and yet, that, you know, that there's never been a better time to buy a Premier League football club. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You're not getting one of them in Villa currently, but if you felt the potential was there, this is you know this is this, this is when foreign owners might actually get a bit of a return on their mm. on their investment um, in the next few years because of this incredible, dramatic increase that's coming in terms of TV money. But that's also obviously, as you will be more than uh, well aware, the sort of nightmare scenario for those who get relegated this season as well, oh, potentially because. Every club in the Premier League next season is going to be one of the top 30 richest clubs in the world. Mm. Um, I figure 25 million. I'm hearing about for Aston Villa. He'll sell it for 25 million. He's obviously made his money. He's made his money anywhere from when he bought it. And uh, you know, I think uh, that's the trouble, isn't it? You know, it's it's amazing that when, like um, Neil's always said, when it comes to Newcastle fans, it's like trying to shepherd alley cats uh, to come on to come on the side. Of saying okay, well, let's let's do this. Let's all get together. But sometimes it's it kind of is impossible to to do that. Um, I, I I think when it came when it comes to um, I think because I legitimately thought we're going to go down if we we kept McLaren anyway. Um, I did think well, you know, if they if they do get um, if they had got relegated, probably the best chance would be uh, of the price being substantially less. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously he's got this 125 million um, that he gave the club, and he's being paid back that money, I believe, as well. So, um, I, I, like, if, if someone want to, if someone want to buy Leeds, and then Newcastle go down, the figures are probably going to be higher for Newcastle. Uh, but uh, to buy Leeds, to buy Newcastle, what would your figures be? Well, the, the the daft thing with you buy Newcastle any day because mm. um, you know whatever the fan base potentially might be at Leeds United, um, you're not really buying an awful lot more than the name Leeds United at Leeds because they don't own the stadium, they don't own the training ground, and that because of the number of ownership changes there have been, the, the complicated nature of the structure that you would inherit as a as a new owner means that there's money going out all over the place to different parties. It's so complicated. I mean, it seems like people keep saying to me, why doesn't somebody, well, in, in inverted commas, proper buy Leeds United? And there's still people in this city, you know, people who live close to where I'm sitting at this very minute with, mm. with substantial sums of money, wealthy businessmen, and they won't go into the local football club because what they see, A, the price is too high, and, and the complication of what they've got to wade through to get actually to the position of being an ownership is another factor. And then the third factor is having invested, paid the high price, you've then got to buy the stadium back if you're going to do anything with that. And then on top of all of that, you've got to invest in the squad as well. <laughs> you know, you're looking at 100 million quid just to sort of, just to, before you start touching the sides, really. So I'm sure you could get Newcastle for far less and actually end up with a bit more of a straightforward deal and get, you know, a great fan base, great tradition, huge stadium, uh, and the potential to get into the Premier League as well. So, I'm wish if you if you was going to sell it, what, what do you think the figure is for Leeds? Because it's never talked about. I think a figure, uh, a, a figure that I've heard is somewhere in the region of 45 million for, for Leeds United. Wow. Uh, and I, and I'm told by wow. by people exactly. Yeah, I'm told by people who've investigated the the, the purchase or or sort of at least had a little look at it that that the the price is. I think the price is deemed to be too high by some distance because of, if it was a straightforward 
this 45 million buys you Leeds United, mm. then great. Mm. But it doesn't, you know, yeah. that's just the start of the task that you face. You just, you, all you've bought now is the fan base. Now you've got to do the rest of the work, which involves getting the stadium back. And then it involves investing in the squad sufficiently to get it into a position that it might actually challenge the Premier League. And remember, there's no guarantee. At the end of all of that, <laughs> nobody can say, OK, you've invested £120 million now, you'll definitely get your Premier League place. It might not happen. So you need some pretty deep pockets if you're going to think about buying mm-hmm. into Leeds United at the moment. But would they, if somebody, if he just, because the, the big thing is, would he sell it? Um, he, he sounds like, it, I think it depends what uh, coffee he gets in the morning, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he is a guy, definitely. <laughs> yeah. uh, having, having met him a few times, I think one of the, one of the, the trickiest things for, for people who um, come into contact with, with Massimo Cellino is, is that sense of not quite knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, the trust, the, the Leeds fans trust found this, as you, as you mentioned already, it already appeared, one night it appeared there was going to be a deal that he was ready mm-hmm. to sell to them. And, mm-hmm. you know, this looked like a very exciting development. And yet, within another 24, 48 hours or so, mm-hmm. that had completely gone away and has never come back again. Uh, and that's, that's the difficulty as well. You know, if you went in with what seemed to be an offer that everyone had agreed was it was a proper offer that may change that situation could change very quickly because there is that degree of uncertainty around the decision making process at the football club and there's been a high turnover in many positions on the staff as well you know that and i think that it's a tricky place at the moment i think for people working you know any manager who's been there recently will testify to that um i mean i did that crazy weekend when brian mcdermott was sacked on the friday night <laughs> and then reinstated by uh, <laughs> Saturday evening. In the meantime, they'd had two different managers in the meantime, because yeah. the Italian guy was told that he was picking the team first. Then Nigel Gibbs was told he was picking the team instead, and the Italian guy was sent away. So they basically, they had, effectively, they had four managers in the space of 24 hours, and Brian McDermott was two of them. So uh, it's been crazy days ever since, frankly. So before I bring him in, obviously my next guest, but like, what is, what's the plan for Wrexham next then? Um, is there a, um, obviously with the funds that's available, um, is it the, the playoffs next season? Is that what oh, you're going to try and go it's for? It's a, that, that is, you know, that is the, we've got to get out. We've got mm, to get back to the Football League at yeah. some point. We've been nine years in non-league now. I mm. mean, that's what makes this, the, the average gate this, this year all the more remarkable. Mm. Um, but we need to, you know, you get into the, into League Two. There's eight hundred thousand pounds a year that you get straight away mm. there. In the conference, you basically get nothing. There's a small handout from the mm. central funding, but it's very, very little. Um, there's no TV money to speak of either. So we need to get out. We're doing it all ourselves at the moment. But that extra, you know, and Push. because we're doing it properly, yeah. and we're doing it, and we're doing it, and we're operating in the black. If we did get that boost of somebody saying, "Well, here's eight hundred thousand pounds," you know, we could fly with that because that would make such a massive difference. The gates would be really good, but the key is we've got to get out of it first. And it's not getting any easier because the football league have voted this year that all the clubs who drop out of the uh, out of League Two, as from this summer, I think, mm-hmm. get a full parachute payment the first year and get a half parachute payment the second year. So that equates to something in the region of £1.2 million that they'll be bringing down with them. So it's like the Premier League. It's, it's getting yeah, more, more difficult to get into to get to the that's, place that we want to be. 
I mean, it, it, wow. parachute payments are huge at the Premier League level, but at your level, that's that's a totally uneven playing field. Yeah, that's well, that's what's going to happen next year. I see. That's crazy. Um, and I, I, it's funny. I did that Jeff Stelling um, march a, a few weeks ago, and um, <laughs> yeah. I, I did I did one day of that, and as you may have seen on Twitter, mm. made a right mess of my feet doing it. But in the midst <laughs> of, the, of the, that 34-mile walk from York to um, to Leeds. I was chatting with uh, Russ from Hartlepool, the, the chief executive at Hartlepool, mm-hmm. and he, he said, how's it going at Wrexham? He's a really nice guy, and we were having a good chat. And then I said, well, yeah, it's going okay, but it's not going to get any easier for us, especially now with the new parachute payments. He said, oh, yeah, that was my idea. The Football League went along with it, and now... And so now he must have thought, well, if we're going to get relegated, I've got to give us the best possible chance of getting back up here. So that's, that's, you know, that's how it's kind of come about, is that mm. it, it, it's the opposite that Turkey's voting for Christmas, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah. They, uh, they've decided that they need to make sure that they, they, the drop is as painless as possible. So, yeah, we've got to compete with that next year as well. So mm. that's going to make life even trickier. So you're going to have... Probably we're going to see, I would guess, about eight clubs who've probably got a bigger budget than us next year, mm. which means we've really got to find, you know, we've got to, there's got to be some astute signings this summer mm, or yeah. the centre of excellence that we're still running and still paying for without any help from anybody, which is still developing Brilliant. talent. Well done. Uh, we've got Premier League goalkeeper uh, Danny Ward, who made his debut for Liverpool a couple of weeks ago, came from our centre mm. of excellence. So we're still doing the right thing there, but mm. we need that to start really producing um and you know we've just got to find a way we've just got to find a way whatever that way is well good good make obviously good luck and uh obviously we'll, we'll keep we'll keep our track on the rexon from now on and um p- pass on uh, the good wishes to to, to your manager because I, I, I know it might not mean much considering for me but i'm from obviously i'm from gateshead but uh gary was very much loved in gateshead and yeah, everybody you know, you know what it's like. As soon you get close, people start pointing fingers, and um, uh, you know, I, I had his uh, lovely daughter actually. Um, obviously, the other uh, Gates manager came on. It's funny, isn't it? Gary leaves Newcastle, getting Gates get a new a new manager in. They get rid of him because he's not meet expectations, and now they've gone to get another, now they've got another one. Yeah. So I think Gary's departure did did more than what I think people expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, so you've got, got a good a, one. A good time up there and hopefully he's, he's got another year I think by the look of it. So uh, right. hopefully he'll he's, make it happen next season. He's, fingers he's got that he's got that steel brin. Some people yeah. don't have it. He's, he's got, got it. He's got that steel. He needs to he needs to make a few better signings next season. Yeah. But, um, we'll we'll uh, hopefully we'll see better signs <laughs> of progress. Well, don't worry. We'll keep in touch. I'll keep in touch with him. Uh, obviously, we'll uh, try and get other people on. We'll get you on again for for yeah. the next season. But thanks so much for coming on, Brad. It's been an absolute no honour. It's been lovely to have you on. And sorry for the delay last time because my computer is not the best sometimes. Ah, technically, <laughs> don't worry about it. It's good <laughs> thanks, Brad. Thanks Thank very you, much. Brent. Thank, Thank you, Brad. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Great, eh? My goodness, I could talk. I, I could have talked to to, to Brad all night. Absolutely wonderful. Um, well, we're going to bring in our next next guest. He's making his debut as well on Newcastle. Uh, Dan Sheridan. Dan is on Twitter at Dan Sheridan. He's a football-loving journalist and former NUFC Match Day programme editor. Good evening. Good evening, Andrew. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, so, you come, you've just come back from New Zealand, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I was over in the Bay of Plenty 
for the best part of a year and a half where I was um, a news editor for my stints. Uh, yeah, really interesting time. Very uh, obviously great timing with um, New Zealand doing so well at the last mm. Rugby World Cup, which I think we all expected them to anyway. But um, yeah, but really interesting uh, 18 months, and I've come back to a pretty interesting scenario football-wise in the northeast. Yeah, because you're now uh, the, the involved in the cricket, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I had a little dabble in cricket, and I've got a few more irons in the fire. So it's a bit of a, a, a bit of a watch this space situation at the minute, uh, Andrew. But um, yeah, I've been a lot of my time being taken up, obviously, with uh, what's going on. Um, at the bottom of the Premier League, as I imagine you're, <laughs> I imagine you're exactly the same. So, um, yes, it, 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 great to be back, I must say. I mean, New Zealand's a, be, a beautiful country, but it's, uh, it's a long way from home, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah I keep, well, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to Australia myself next week, and the one thing people always tell me, I've, I've got, obviously I've got a few friends on cruise ships, but every, every time people talk about Australia, they always say, but New Zealand's, New Zealand's nicer. Isn't that funny? It's a, I mean, it's, I, I think, to be fair, they're very different countries um, in many respects, climate being one of them. One of the uh, things that you just can't escape, though, is their, um, just their immense, almost religious following of, uh, of, of rugby, certainly rugby union, rugby league. Where I was based in the North Island, it's, um, it's, it's pretty much everything. I mean, it's up there with, uh, you know, it's part of their everyday life, and Obviously, coming from a, a, a part of the UK that's so heavily immersed in football, it took a little bit of a acclimatising. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest <laughs> rugby fan, so that was that was a bit of a culture shock in terms of uh, the sport. You know, trying to trying to hunt out bars to watch football matches in proved a, mm-hmm. it was a tough task, shall I say? <laughs> I don't know. I, I tell you, I can't. I can watch rugby, yeah, but I can't. I can't either. It has to be something that gets me going to watch it, and I don't. Neil, what do you think? I could, I could never get into that. I, I, I would. I don't know how Dan didn't go stark raving bonkers. Um, do you know what? I, I played a little bit of rugby at, 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 uh, when I was at dental school for medicals, so I've, I've played a little bit, um, and I quite enjoy it. Um, and I know there's, there's a few lads who actually have given up their season tickets at Newcastle United and are going to the Falcons now. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's been that, that sort of, some of that apathy that Bryn was referring to before, mm-hmm. the apathy that's affected some of my pals, have said, right, we're going to the Falcons, and they, they go on the stand and they have a pint and watch the match, and they're treated like adults as fans, and they have a good night and have a good mm-hmm. crack, and they still support Newcastle United, and they still love Newcastle United a bit, just they don't want to go. And they're enjoying the Falcons. So I think it's... It, 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 it's difficult in the northeast because we're brought up kicking our own ball. Yes, but we forget that there is, there is a lot of of good rugby played in the northeast. Mm. You've just got to go out in the Northumberland and in the Durham to find it a little bit. Um, but it's 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 it, it's a difficult one. But we, we've always been a union area as opposed to a league area, mm. um, and and I think uh, it's certainly it. it when you see the quality of the, of, the, of the player that you'll get in New Zealand, though, mm-hmm. I think that's that's what would, would blow you away, Andrew. I think they do play a very different game. You know, obviously, I interact here with a lot of Kiwis and mm-hmm. new and, and Aussies and uh, South, South Africans and, and talk a lot of Southern Hemisphere rugby. Um, and it, and it is a, it's a different world, mate, down there. Yeah. And it is a religion. When you were, when you were there, was were you there when 
were you in touch with Newcastle when Mr. Pardew and his uh, they came they came a visiting? Were you, were you involved there? Were you in, when when they came no, out? I, I wasn't actually. I was still in the UK at the time. Oh, I was sort of in between uh, visits, so I, I, I missed out on that one. But um, I understand that. Uh, I mean, you know, I spoke to a couple of the lads who I'm still in touch with um, from the media team at St James's and. I mean, I think the majority, the, the general consensus was that it was a great place to visit. Um, mm. You know, a lot of them co- commented on how far away it is, which, mm. you know, you just can't get away from. But, um, I mean, there is, an, there is an appetite for football. as uh, In a way, it's, it's basically propped up by the expat community. Uh, essentially, mm. you know, if you're Kiwi born and bred, and, and, and I'm sure Neil can uh, sort of... Um, Aligned to this, if, if you're Kiwi born and bred, it's pretty much rugby um, full stop. You know, um, they have a quite. I mean, obviously, they obviously have a very successful cricket scene. Uh, the football scene just kind of pales into insignificance. It's a hard old job um, if you if you're working mm-hmm. for the New Zealand FA because you, you're really up against um, that word again. You know, the the, the, the kind of almost religious element of, of rugby, mm-hmm. and it's very much from the top. It's very much from the top down in the in the way that football is here, and you know you you, you painted a nice picture earlier of uh, kids kicking ball around. Mm-hmm. You, you know you see kids walking around the street in New Zealand, and you know basically as soon as they can walk, you know they have, they've got a <laughs> they've got a rugby ball yeah. at them. So yeah. it, it's just intrinsic in their in in their culture, in the way that they're brought up, and um, well, I mean, my word, doesn't it show on an international level? I mean, you know, I I just watch that side in awe at the World Cup because, and you know, I, I often sort of wondered what it would be like to support a team where, you, you know, the result is never in doubt. You, you know, and that, that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's the kind of sports fans I was um, surrounded by in New Zealand because that the confidence was just there from day mm-hmm. one. It was just, well, mm-hmm. we're, well, we're going to win it. You know, it's, it's, New Ze- it's us. We're, of course we're going to win, you know. And um, very, very different from being, uh, you know, brought up in the northeast and um, mm. and following the, the the team that I obviously follow. Yeah, what's it, what's it been like for you? Obviously, we had um, we had McLaren, we had we've had Carver, mm. and then uh, we we get uh, probably the best a lot of them in in Benitez. Mm. Uh, it's it's quite a shock, isn't it? Really, what's what's happened? Obviously, with We've got the our nemesis coming back, coming back at the weekend in Alan Pardew. So, um, what's been your take on it? Um, I mean, I, I think um, I was I was intrigued by the game at Liverpool um, for a, a number of reasons. A very strange game in many ways. I, I thought, um, you know, there was always going to be a bit, a, a bit of an effect with with Benitez going back to Anfield, but. Um, I thought, just, just to touch on the game at the weekend, I thought mm. the way that Liverpool went 2-0 up, without really kind of exerting themselves in any way, um, I think they were just as, bad, as as shocked as anybody because, you know, um, I, I think they would have, certainly Jurgen Klopp and the, and the Liverpool players would have been a bit surprised at sort of the ease with which they kind of took control of it um, and given our predicament down at the bottom and, and, you know, that kind of fighting spirit that we showed against Man City, what was it, four days three or four days earlier. Mm. Um, but I think you've got to give Benitez and, and certainly his squad a massive amount of credit. And just using that Liverpool game as an example, they, you know, in an old-fashioned sense, they threw caution to the wind a little bit. And, and you know, they obviously had to do it given the scoreline. Um, 
in a lot of ways, it kind of encapsulated Newcastle's season, you know, and, and it was frustrating in that sense. And I can imagine that's the overriding feeling that Benitez has at the moment. Um, you know, if you remove the calamitous start that we had at Anfield and, and then the subsequent need, obviously, to chase the game, mm. there's every chance we could have won, you know. Now, I'm not saying that that was expected, and, and I thought, I'll, I'll hold my hands up, I thought we'd get beat at Anfield, and um, mm, that's just that four out of... That's brought out of years of watching us play at Anfield, but obviously it was one of those fixtures where you look at and, you, and as a Newcastle fan, you just immediately kind of draw a line through it and think, you know, move on. Um, and so it, I think it was possibly a bigger opportunity than some people, myself included, thought it was initially. Um, but th- there's been noticeable changes, and I, and I think you've got to give Benitez a lot of credit for it. Um, I think, has he come in and galvanised the fans? Yes. Um, I think, to a certain extent, he's instilled a bit of belief in the stands. Um, mm. A lot of fans I've spoken to remain very realistic, um, which I think is important. You know, we have to be realistic about our chances of actually staying up because it's a big ask. Um, mm. You know, looking at the remaining games that the other teams around us have got and, and looking at the table... Um, but I think more importantly, um, Andrew, is, is the way that the players have clearly bought into his style and, and, and his, his management style. They're responding to his demands. Um, and I think that's amazing when you consider the short amount of time he's been here. I mean, I can think of a lot of instances where a lot of new managers need half or maybe it's even sometimes an entire season to, to get mm-hmm. their ideas across to, uh, and, and, and get them translated on the pitch. Rafa's done it in a matter of weeks, so I think you've got to give him an awful amount of credit. Um, whether it's come too late in the day remains to be seen, unfortunately. What do you think, Neil? Well, I was. Um, it's interesting the whole way. Um, I think what he's how he's doing it is being very proactive. If you watch him on the touchline, yeah. he's out on the touchline giving directions. He's like, it's like he's directing traffic. Mm. Making movements of centre backs, telling the full full back where to stand. His hands are here. His hands are there. Um, uh, we, we picked him out. I watched it um, down at uh, Dubai Marina in a bar called Barasti, um, and they've got this massive screen. And I do a little bit of radio work out here every now and again. And I watched it with a couple of the couple of the Dubai Eye radio lads. Um, one of them, one of whom's a Kiwi, by the way. A, a, a good lad, Mark. Um, and um, they hadn't seen this before because obviously you know they watch their own teams and most of them are Man United obsessives and and I watch him and is he like this every game? I'm like yeah he's like this every game yeah. and this is what he's doing he's, 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 he's literally breaking it down the thing that frustrates me is twofold one where was all this effort against Bournemouth and against Watford twice Yeah. you know if, if we just had that level of input mm. would it wouldn't be in this situation and two, um, it, I think it shows a distinct lack of A, leadership, and B, football intelligence on that football pitch. The fact that the manager's got to stand and tell the football, the centre-backs to squeeze together by bringing his arms together in a, in a rather you know, highfalutin and exaggerated motion. It's like, well, really? You don't know what to do with that? Is your starting position that bad? You know, and it, it, it really is, and I think it's just reflective of, of the symptoms that have got way into this situation. And now, of course, we've got this this hope 
that's going to absolutely slap around the face, very probably. Um, it's so it's so irritating because we we should not be in this position if it weren't for a couple of games where we could have put more in and just didn't. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean I, I think that's born out of. Uh, I, I mean I agree with a lot of what you said, Nina. I think it's born out of the time constraints that that Benitez is obviously under at mm. the moment. I, I think you you know. We really are running out of fixtures. And I said this to someone Sorry. earlier today. I said, you know, if Newcastle had eight, seven or eight or nine fixtures left this season, I'd be more than confident of us you yeah. Know, yeah. pulling it off. I agree. I, I don't think for a second that we've got enough... Ga- I mean, you know, I've tried to remain as positive as possible. I do think we're going to run out of games. And, mm. and I think that, that what you're describing, um, you know, it, it, Benitez, is, it's, it's obviously his style, but that pressing need to actually get on the touchline and basically just stop short of physically marshalling them into position, yes. which, which is, which is um, maybe down to the time constraints that, that he's under because it really is kind of a, you know, you, you hear the cliche a lot, the now or never thing. But, I mean, we're there, you know, we're, we're, on, the, we're on the brink of it, you know. Um, like I said, the, the point at Liverpool I thought was very, very welcome and um, very, very unexpected but very welcome. But it doesn't mean anything if we don't win our next two games and you know yeah. that that's where we're at and and so i think what you what you're describing in terms of benitez's style is you know he hasn't got a, the luxury of um you know a dozen or so games to get to know how he's back for play he hasn't got a pre-season on the horizon the kind of planet it's pretty much now or never so um you know anything less than six points from our next two games and then <laughs> We're, we're planning yeah. for you know life outside the Premier League, so it's I mean it's a it's Absolutely. a real sort of um, yeah now or never I think is the is the phrase that keeps being bandied around, and I'm I'm kind of um, I'm kind of an advocate of that myself. I did think that the the Man City game to me was a make or break game that we had to win it. Mm. Uh, a lot of people were t- saying oh we'll get we'll take a draw, but fundamentally that game to me got me very worried because I, I, I kept on thinking oh we're going to win it we're going to win it because they're not doing that much and then we didn't win it and then it put so much pressure on Liverpool and then we're 2-0 down it's like oh god and f- for me it was like very disappointing that we didn't get anything we, we got a draw but you know you've, you've got to you've, you know it's relegation it's, it's not something where the players have to be told that they've got to fight for Benitez that's the problem where you're like you're right three games to go you've, you've got to win all three mm-hmm. and I think in, a, in a, if you contextualise the Man City result I think you know the majority of people would ordinarily take a draw against Man City at home and given the given the, the sort of wealth of talent that they have to, to pick from um, but you're right it, it's, a, it's, it's not an average run-of-the-mill fixture in an average run-of-the-mill season. It was a must-win game. I think we had a chance to win it, um, you know, in, in sort of the way that we took the game to them. I, I thought it was one of our better performances this season, I have to say. Um, mm. And I, I, I liked the way we imposed ourselves, even though, even after the injustice of the opening goal, which was um, which still baffles me now. I, I, I can't quite get my head around how the, uh, how the um, referee's assistant hasn't spotted the gulf between Aguero and the last defender. But anyway, that, that's by the by. Mm. The, the fact that we got something out of the game at all it, 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 it was a positive for me. Yes, we could have won it, but then you'll speak to Sunderland fans who will be saying exactly the same about their match with Arsenal at the weekend. 
you know, it's, I think in in the in the grand scheme of things, that's points dropped. Um, and you know, a poor Arsenal side who struggled to get going. Yeah, both. I think either side could stake a claim to a penalty shout. But mm. you know, and and some people I think have have, have hinted that it was a, a, a fairish result. I think um, certainly the Sunderland fans I've spoken to have said it's points dropped. You know, they were there mm-hmm. for the taking. Um, so in that respect, I, I think, and given the standard of the opposition, I mean, you know, you look at Man City at home, Liverpool away, and offer, offer us a couple of draws, any other season, you know, we'll snap both your hands off. Thank you very much. But mm-hmm. it's not an ordinary season. And, yeah, and you're absolutely right, Andrew. These are must-win games. Um, what, what it means long term, of course, is that you know these games coming up. Have, uh, it just uh, it just adds even more importance on the on, on the trio of of remaining fixtures. Yeah, I think um, obviously we've got the we've got the probably the most poisonous Newcastle United manager coming into town on Saturday, where a, a draw is never going to be good enough. You've got Liverpool, you've got Sunderland. You know now looking like as soon as they're going to play. Uh, a, a, without Jack Butland in that team, mm. they seem wide open. Mm. Uh, the way that they played against Norwich, you can almost sense that they, you know, they prefer playing away from home because, um, you know, they'll hit them on the break. They'll, you know, they've got an expert manager in that team. But I agree with you. I, I think, I think it's to me. I've been keeping on a lot of people working and saying, you know, just believe, just believe, just believe. But it's, mm. you know, I think Rafa is more or less said to me, Listen. We win the next two games. We yeah. probably are safe. Yeah, and and I've seen that echo today. I think I mean John Beresford's come out today and said, you know, win the next two games, and 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 that should do it. Um, I'm I'm still of the opinion that um, seven points, you know, and you know, two wins in the next two games, and then possibly a point from Spurs. Who knows what state Spurs will be in when they come mm-hmm. to St James? It's a very difficult one to call. Um, you know, and when we're we're obviously not sure what kind of Tottenham will turn up on the last day. Um, will seven points be enough? I mean, that's that's what we've got to ask ourselves. I, I think if you look at the remaining games, and obviously uh, we've all sat and studied them long into the night. I'm sure, if you're anything like me, um, I, you know, you have to say, or, or, or I think there's a strong argument to say that Sunderland have got what looked like the easier running. Um, mm. They're well, in, they're well equipped in terms of, uh, of their experience. Their next opponents, as you rightly mentioned, Andrew Stoke, are in mm-hmm. free fall. You know, they've, I think they've lost four of the last six. They're hemorrhaging goals all over the place. They've shipped 12 goals or something in the last three games. Mm-hmm. Likewise, you look at their games against Everton and Watford, who, I mean, uh, perversely are going to have a massive say on what happens down at the bottom because they, play, they both play Sunderland and Norwich. Um, they both very much look like they'll be reaching for the beach towels and the flip-flops <laughs> after, yep. be, after being knocked out of the yeah. FA Cup. Uh, you know, there's the uncertainty surrounding Roberto Martinez at Goodison. That's, that's casting a bit of a shadow over Everton's run-in. So I have to say, on paper, Sunderland have what look like a couple of winnable fixtures. Having said that, of course, they've only won twice since the middle of January in the league. So, you know, asking them to win two or possibly three of the last four games is it, it's a tall order you know mm. what, what, what's your um, what's your thoughts with with back what, what do you think how do you think it's going to pan out um, I mean 
Look, I, I think what Benitez has done is quite clever in terms of the way that he's set his team out the last couple of games. He's he's gone for stability in the middle of the park. He's left himself options on the bench um, by you know stocking players like. Mitrovic and Shelby and uh, Wijnaldum, who have come on to various degrees of effect over the last couple of games. Um, I think it, it, it'll be a similar affair uh, uh, from Benitez. I don't think he'll change too much. Um, he'll give the um, forwards that little bit of stability by playing Colback and Tiote in, in the middle. Um, and I think... To be honest with you, it's the best result possible for us that this weekend was Palace making it through the FA Cup final. Um, I, mm-hmm. I do think they'll have um, one, if not both, eyes on that. Um, you know, there is an argument for saying, well, Palace players will be playing for their place at Wembley, but I think it's 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 looking like they're going to be perfectly all right in terms of their Premier League status. If they've got one one eye on the FA Cup final, then we just have to hope that Newcastle can take advantage of that. Um, we know it'll be a, a full house. We know the fans will be right behind the lads, and you know we just have to we just have to be patient. I think is the key. I, I don't think there's any necess- necessary rush to criticise if we're not one 0 up at half time. If it's still mm-hmm. goalless, then as, as long as we're still in the game, um, and 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 make sure that we don't. By all, by all means, by, make sure that we don't concede early doors because then it really will ramp up the pressure. I think we'll. I think it's a winnable game, as I, as as I think the Villa game is very winnable. Like I said, it's difficult to know what kind of Spurs team will turn up on the last day of the season, but um, you know, the time will tell on that one. I I think Newcastle can, and and certainly, given the given the form that they're in, the little bit of momentum and the wind in their sails that they've got from the last three games. Um, they'll have more than enough to beat Palace, I think. Yeah, I think it's, I think um, the, with, with the game running out and you got the, uh, uh, the worst thing is I must admit I was watching that F, the FA FA Cup game and I must admit I was thinking that this is the worst thing about it, isn't it? You're thinking of other things other teams have got to do yes. before for the team for game and you look at all the games that the other teams below us have got are going to have us have on us and it's amazing i think uh, we've got three games on um on norwich uh before they before they even uh can um you know play against us it's it's so infuriating it's gonna be but so give me a score for, give me a score before bringing lee in for, from chester street give me a score for saturday uh, oh, I think Newcastle will win it. Um, I can see them. I, I'm, I've been impressed with the, the two centre-backs. I think they've done well. I think Anita deserves a lot of praise. I can see them keeping a clean sheet. And um, I think there's a couple of goals in it. So I'll, I'll, go, I'll go a brave 2-0 to Newcastle. Great stuff. Thanks so much, Dan, for coming on. Being a great guest. We'll have you, we'll have you on again Dan. soon. And uh, But thanks for coming on. And I'll keep in touch with you because I've always got, me and uh, Neil have always got plans for something. So thanks okay. so much for coming on, Dan. Appreciate it. Many thanks, lads. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Right, cheers, Dan. Two great debuts, eh? Uh, Bryn and Dan. Start, sure. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, we, obviously, the, the next person we've got to bring in before he puts his kid to bed is our forever loving uh, Lee Johnson from Chester Street. Hi, Lee. How are you? Hello, mate. All right. Good. Hi, good, good. good show, eh? Hi, <laughs> as ever. As ever. <laughs> so tell me. Uh, what's been your take the last couple of games with Newcastle? Obviously, draw draw one at Man City and then 
drawn obviously away uh, of Liverpool. It's been a it's and plus you got Sunderland uh, playing as well. It's you got Crystal Palace. You've got the uh, Mr. Pardew coming back. It's all going on as ever with Newcastle United. It's um it's a bit of a mental time at this moment in time, I think, Andrew and mm. Neil. It's just uh, it's starting to get it's starting to make me heart flutter a bit. Mm. <laughs> it is. They're, kind of, they're kind of pulling you there, they're pulling you there and they're ultimately gonna potentially let you down, but uh, we're still in it, we're still in fighting. If anyone had, if anyone give us a choice of um picking up any kind of points this week, certainly against Man City and Liverpool, you would have took them. Regardless of the circumstances, um, yeah. we were outstanding against Manchester City. Absolutely outstanding. Um, especially to come back the way we did, because we got totally done on the first goal. Mm. Totally embarrassing, officiating. Um, you know, I, I sit actually directly in line with that uh, when Aguero scored. And my friend actually was sitting there next to me saying, no one's got Aguero, he's offside though. No one's got Aguero, he's offside. Kept saying that, he kept repeating himself. And the ball went in the box and he went, he's offside. He's not raising his flag. Obviously, he was using expletives at that moment in time. He's not raising his flag. That's absolutely ridiculous. Now we're just sitting there bemoaning me, look good. If I was against Sullivan, Sullivan would have got that. They get everything. They get everything. We had to joke this. And then, obviously, we equalised. Um, we took them to task. We made it difficult for them. Um, the crowd were at it. We had that chance at the end. Genie Wijnaldum, if that had went in, you think, mm. oh, my God. And But we, we took it to Liverpool. And we built on it. I know we had a disastrous start. We go 2-0 down. It gets to half-time. I said to my dad, I said, whoever gets the next goal here, um, especially if it's us, we can get in this game because Anthony was flat. Their players are looking ahead to other things. And the minute we scored, we, mm. you know, we, you could see visibly again the players rising, rising to the occasion. And we get the goal. We get out of there with a point. It's a massive point. And regardless of Sunderland's result yesterday, that was a massive... Those two points this week were massive for us because ultimately we're, two, we're one point behind both teams. Yes, they have a game in hand, but if you look at it and you think we have a home game now against Crystal Palace and mm. the best thing is to do for all Newcastle fans at this moment in time is take one game at a time. Mm. That's what mm. we have to do. Not think about Villa, not think about Tottenham. It's one game at a time. Turn up on Saturday. We've got Mr. Um, Mr. Fantastic returning with his team where... The, the atmosphere should be just spiked up a little bit because of the likes of him and the fact that we're trying to get behind the team, we're trying to get behind the manager. And if we can get an early goal against Palace, I think we will beat them because they've got other things on their minds now. They'll have players thinking ahead of their FA Cup finals. They will be thinking about not getting injured and different things like that. So if we can be at them from the start and the fans can be on them as well, and with the return of Mr. Pardew, I think it could be pretty spiky on Saturday. I think it's going to be absolutely banging on and Saturday. And I'm absolutely devastated that I'm not there. <laughs> I know. Going away, aren't you? Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, my word. I'm in Dalamadina. I'm in Dalamadina. Didn't worry, I'll find some sort of bar. <laughs> but the, the worst thing, I must be, I've said it a couple of times now, but not to beat Man City... I think I think do you not think Sunderland looks stronger because I, I must admit I watched that Sunderland team yesterday they missed I think I, I couldn't believe he played this I can't believe that Arsene Wenger played the same team he played on Thursday on the Sunday like that I, I literally couldn't I gasped when I saw that one it was well, absolutely I, I, shocking well I've been I, I've been 
I mean, obviously on Twitter and things like that, we've seen a lot of rage by Arsenal fans, especially Piers Morgan about them. Oh, and I've no, um, yeah. <laughs> been a bit like, what are you going on about, man? Jesus Christ, be careful what you wish for, Piers. But mm. after watching Arsenal yesterday and seeing what he's kind of putting towards, mm. the tippy-tappy embarrassment, they tippy-tap the ball around all game, the bottle tackles, they weren't getting stuck in the Sunland, and if they wanted to win the game, they would have won the game. Sunland ultimately set back. Sunland... Sam Allardyce is basically trying to make something difficult to beat and then they're trying to nick a goal where they know if they nick a goal it's, very, it's highly unlikely they'll concede two. So if, I think if you look at the last seven results Sunderland have had or this last seven games Sunderland haven't actually went behind in any of the games. They've always either took the lead or had something to hold on to. And people are pointing out the fact that Sunderland have got the advantage Sunderland are one point ahead which I agree. But what's to say Sunderland and Norwich are going to win, you know, two or three out of their last four games? Because ultimately, Sunderland have only won one in the last seven, which was against Norwich. Mm-hmm. You know, Norwich have only won one in the last seven, which was against Newcastle. So, mm-hmm. if you look at it that way, we've only won one in the last seven as well. Mm-hmm. But... If you if you just look at Saturday and you and you think about Saturday, we have Crystal Palace at home. Crystal Palace, who have qualified for the FA Cup final, some of their players will definitely, definitely, definitely be thinking ahead of that, thinking, "I don't want to get injured. Yeah. I don't want to. And I don't want no, to be They're not going to be going for 50-50s, are they? Mm. They're, 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 they're just, because they're they, they, they houses. They're safest houses. They're houses for amateur Neil. So mm. if we can get them a goal down early, you never know what's going to happen. Someone go to Stoke. Mm. Stoke have lost three games on the belt, four now. Mm. Mark Hughes will be seething with that. Yeah, I'm will. sure Stoke, I'm sure he'll be working on things. How oh, well, a lad, this is nuts. We've had a good season. We want to finish on a bang. So they'll be up for that. And then Norwich go to Arsenal. So hypothetically, we have the best fixture this weekend. And if we can come out at the end of that, imagine we win, mm. they lose, Norwich lose. We're two points ahead of them both. Then the pressure switches over. So that's mm-hmm. why we just have to take one game at a time. Absolutely. It's actually possible. It's possible. It is possible. The manager we've got is an absolute genius. I was watching mm-hmm. him against Man City on a Wednesday night. Sorry, Tuesday night. It was a pleasure watching him because everything that he was doing on the touchline when he was trying to talk to the players, especially the back four, it's all relevant. It's all everything he's doing is relevant, and it's a joy to watch. And that's why I just hope to God we haven't left it at too late. Yeah, I think that that's that's it. That's the issue, isn't it? It's three games, but you you you're almost getting into the the phase of what Benitez is all about. He, he is, you know, against against Crystal Palace, it's going to be absolutely full on. And especially, we're going to take a lot of supporters to, to Villa. Um, you, oh, you going there? Oh, oh. yeah. hey. Unfortunately, I'll be in Australia, so it's going to be interesting for me that one. But um, unlucky Australia. <laughs> I'm going to be in the sea, mate. But like, um, never let him press any buttons. <laughs> <laughs> I've wrecked my iPad tonight, that, actually. Did, did I tell you, didn't <laughs> press any buttons on that plane coming over. <laughs> <laughs> I've wrecked my iPad. I don't know what I've done, but I can't type the way I used Great to. Stuff. It's weird. Don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's, I don't know what's, something happened. I don't know what happened. But like, what's what's your take on Pardew? Because isn't it funny? You're watching Alan Pardew, and half of me is watching and thinking, well, you want them to win, <laughs> even though you can't. I can't stand the man. You want them to win because it gives us a better chance. And he, but I can't see him resting players, uh, even though they're in the. In, they're in the final because it's, it's not like it's not like a week away, is it? It's at least 
well, it's at least three weeks away, isn't it? Four weeks away. Yeah, that's all right. It's all right seeing they're not going to rest players. He probably won't. At the end of the day, he'll be coming back here from a personal point of view with a point to prove. You know he will. I mean, Mr. Smug himself, he'll be coming back thinking, I can, I can relegate these. You'll not see it. You'll not see it. But he, in his head, he'll be thinking, hmm, I can affect these loss. Like I said, he'll not see it, but he, he will. But players, players are a little bit different, Andrew. I think if you remember back to the two cup finals Newcastle qualified for, Certainly under Ruud Hullett, uh, we qualified for the cup final. I don't think we won a game until the end of the season. Um, after that, players were. Mm-hmm. How can mm-hmm. I put it? Shirking Because we were relatively safe. They were shirking out the tackles. You could see they would, didn't want to get sent off. They didn't want to put yeah. themselves in a position where they weren't going to um, you know, make themselves unavailable for the cup final. And like I said, with Palace, maybe players who were... Um, on the bench, for example, who want to maybe show the manager that they're worth a start in the cup final, yes. But the first team is, there'll be certain elements of their first team as they'll be thinking, mm, I, you know, I'm just going to watch myself. I might not put my foot into that just in case I do something. And that mindset will kick in because Palace, Palace really don't have anything else to play for this season. There's no way they're going down. I think they're on 39 points. Mm. Um, so that, that will, that definitely this Saturday, especially if we get on top of them from the moment they come out of the tunnel. Their players, their manager, back an hour lot. We get an early goal. I can see us. I can see us actually winning this game quite comfortably. But you know, if, if it goes the other way where Palace score, I, I believe the fans will stay with the team at this moment in time, and it's because of one man. It's the manager. Do you think you'll change the team? Uh, well, you wouldn't, would you? Um, well, I would I, up front. I think. I think you've got to go two men, two up front. I think personally, he doesn't seem to want to do it. Yeah, but who do you really take out? Are you gonna, you're not talking about CC there, are you? Uh, yeah, well, you can't. That's the thing. You can't. I think CC gives you more up top, doesn't he? He gives you more uh, runs about. Uh, he, well, he, worked his, he worked his nuts off against Manchester City. Mm. He was annoying me first half. At, well, I stuck up from on Twitter. I thought he grafted so hard against Manchester City, but he was actually killing mm. us on Saturday against Liverpool. He's, he's holed up playing the first yeah, half was really through and I was thinking second touch with a tackle every time uh, it was bad it was bad on Saturday but then again he makes you a goal mm. he makes you a goal and he can't mm-hmm. do that I mean Stacey is a goal scorer yeah. he, he's done well for us there's certain partnerships which have kicked in within the next couple of weeks which, the last couple of weeks which have enjoyed. The, the one down the right hand side um, Anita and um, Townsend again Another thing mm. that I think I'd love to stay up because I really like Andros Townsend. Mm. I think most of the good things that have happened in the last week or so have been because of Andros Townsend. His work rate against Manchester City was phenomenal. The guy, the guy, the guy literally limped off. He was knackered. And both goals on Saturday came from his side. Him linking up with Anita. Um, and he, he's been a really big plus. And another reason why you, you're just desperate for us to stay in the league because I think we've got a good player there. Yes. Yeah, what do you think, uh, Neil? Well, yeah, I think um, he, he looks like he's coming more and more into his own. The more um, the more time he gets to play, and the more he's coming out of his shell. Um, and I think you're right. I think we do have a good play on our hands there. And if, if there's rumours to believe that they don't have relegation clauses and so they'll be sold on, it'll be a shame. You know, uh, it'll be a that's, shame. Yeah. That's, that's the problem, isn't it, Lee? For all this great things about Benitez, we, you know damn well if you, if Newcastle don't, if they if they go down, there's no plan B. This the bunch of clowns that run that club. There's no plan B. I I feel it in my water. 
that that is the that is the concern. That is the concern. But um, my mate, um, I've got a mate who's a Liverpool fan, season ticket holder, and he he said he said to me on he said to me over the last couple of weeks, and certainly said it was on Saturday. He said, you know, he's found the. I wouldn't. Be, he said it was. I wouldn't be surprised if he's at your club next season, regardless of what happens. He said because he's found the perfect home for himself, the way he mm-hmm. likes to manage. He said mm. when he came to Liverpool, he came in. Um, the fan base fell in love with him. He united the city, united the united the team, united the fan base. He's done that, and he's done that over the last couple of weeks by how can I put it? Um, Ripping out the players who basically don't deserve to wear the shirt, and getting and getting stuff out of players who don't deserve the wear, don't deserve to wear the shirt over the last couple of weeks, which I didn't think could be found again. Mm. It's took him a little time, and he didn't have enough time. I think if you if you give him three more, if we if we could add three more games onto the games we have remaining, I believe we would have definitely stayed up. Mm. But we're in a situation now where we're one point behind Norwich and we're one point behind Sunderland. It is possible, but we do have to take every game at a, uh, one game at a time. But if somebody offered me now, going into the Tottenham game, where our destiny is in our own hands, knowing mm-hmm. that if we win against Tottenham Hotspur at home, at St James's Park, regardless of what Tottenham Hotspur have done this season, and someone offered that to me right now, I would snap their hands off for it, because why the hell not can the Cassie United Football Club not beat Tottenham Hotspur at St James's Park in a one-off game? So doable. It is doable. Mm-hmm. I don't care how Tottenham's played this season. If that lot, our lot, turn up, against any team and they're at it mm. will cause problems for that particular team so if someone offered me that particular chance now where we go to the last game against Tottenham knowing that whatever result if we can win on that particular day we see in the Premier League I'd snap their hands off yeah I think it's, it's that's the thing is there's so many permutations that are going on with everything involved with the relegation now, now you can see why um, the Americans are so desperate to have it on in their leagues when it comes to their MLS because it's everything. Everything's always so fascinating that every single result, every single minute of every game until the end of the season affects every team that is playing down the bottom there. And I think um, were you surprised with the way Sunderland played, uh, Lee? No, I, I, Allardyce is. I think it. I think Allardyce has cost Sullen points over the last couple of weeks. If I'm honest with you, the, mm. the couple of the, he cost them points against us. Um, if Allardyce was a little bit more um, aggressive in terms of going forward, I think he would have beat us that day. Yesterday, yes, they're playing Arsenal. They sat in. They made it difficult mm. for Arsenal. But again, looking at Arsenal, I thought Arsenal were possibly there for the taking. They pick up a point, which is a big point for them because psychologically they're out of the bottom three. Mm. But over the last couple of weeks where people's been saying Sunderland's playing well, Sunderland's doing this, Sunderland's mm. doing that, as I just point out to you there, Sunderland have only won one of the last seven games. And that was against Norwich. So what what, what confidence does anyone have seeing Sunderland's going to win three out of the last four games? So why think, why can't yeah. we stay up? Why can't it's, we do it? Can you imagine if, if Jermaine Defoe gets a hamstring injury? Can you imagine? Their whole world will fall apart, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, I mean he, he's certainly key. He, he's one of them people who can just sniff a chance out of nothing. And he, if you look at the the bottom three, I would say he's probably the biggest difference. Mm. He's mm. probably the biggest difference because he can just pick a call out of nothing. But like I said, just going back to that little stat there, mm. they've only won one of the last seven. Like Norwich, like ourselves. So when people are saying people. 
teams are going to win two or, or three of the last four games. Are they really? They're not. Mm. They're not going to. It'll be a bit of a freak if they do. But we have a good chance to set that away this coming Saturday. And like I said, taking one game at a time. If we beat Villa, we then know we go to relegated Aston Villa, where we yeah. have we have history. We have the, the away end sold out today because I've seen it because I went on and had a little look. Oh, sold out, where the yeah. fans will be absolutely, and I think Newcastle fans will, if we have a chance, will be start to fill their end up because I think the place will be empty. So, like I said, taking each game at a time and looking at the recent results and forgetting about what people are saying, Sullen's going to do this, Norwich are going to do that. Well, I haven't done that. Regardless mm. of Sam Allardyce making Sullen very, very difficult to beat at this moment in time, I'd like to see Sullen go 1-0 down in a game. Would he change yeah, the way he sets them up? Would he change the mm. mantra? Because they, they're predominantly... The sit-in make it difficult for you and then, the, then they try and yeah. catch you out with the likes of Barini and the likes of Defoe. But if they go 1-0 yeah. down in the game and the pressure's on them, how are how, they going to take that to task? We showed ourselves on Saturday. We went 2-0 down and we showed a big mm. character. What about if they go 2-0 down in a football match? Are they going to come back in the next couple of weeks? It's interesting what's going to be happening in the last couple of weeks. I mean, thankfully, I'll, I mean, I'm gutted I'm going to miss the game on Saturday, but I'll probably be up when I wake up. I'll probably be on a 24-hour drinking binge hour there. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I drink more when I'm watching it on TV, so I dread to think what kind of state I'll be bound, bound about kick-off time. <laughs> well, give me a, you've given, you're giving me hope now. So tell me, give me a score for Saturday before I bring in Chris from America. Like I said, I, I honestly think if the fans are at it, the players are at it, especially with Pardew coming back, and because of them qualifying for the cup final, if we can get an early goal and it settles the team, I think we'll beat them two or three now. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on, Lee. A pleasure as ever. Remember, if you want to listen to Lee tonight, you'll be on the you'll be on iTunes within within 15 minutes of the show end tonight. Thanks so much, Lee. It's been a pleasure having you on this season. Yeah, I'll be pleasure in Australia. I'll be in Australia for the next three weeks, so there won't be any more show. But it's been a pleasure having you on, and we'll catch you next time on the next season. Okay. Hopefully in the Premier League, mate. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, let's 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 hope. <laughs> Thanks, man. Cheers, man. Bye, man. Bye, bye. As ever, always have love having the passion of Lee Johnson on Newcastle United, and that brings us to another passion in uh, Chris Parry calling from the United States. Good evening. Good evening, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, the weather here is fantastic. It's a little, <laughs> it's partly cloudy. And the, the clubs are already in the back of the car. And as soon as I get done with this, I'm heading to the courts. <laughs> well, this, this, this looks like it's going to be the final show of the season because I'm off to Australia, as I've said, to get some sun and play some golf, pretend I'm playing you. So tell me, uh, are you uh, hopeful after the last couple of games? Because uh, uh, it seems to be Lee Johnson is very, very hopeful. And Neil. Well, of course, as Newcastle United fans, we, you know, we never say die. I mean, we're always hopeful until the very end. But I'll tell you one thing, guys. I I really haven't been yelling that much during Newcastle games, even when they've been scoring <laughs> goals or anything this year. It's kind of like, I don't know. It, I just haven't. It's it, the, the season has taken so much out of me. But I screamed so loud in the morning when Colback scored that second goal. I mean, my wife was like, oh, my goodness gracious. Um, I'm telling you, it, it reminded me, guys, and, and, and we always bring this up because that just tells you how few and far between this is. It reminded me of Arsenal. It really did, even though it was only two goals, because just like against Arsenal, Newcastle was played off the park in the first half. 
against Liverpool and be able to come back and to get two goals and to tie that thing up. And let's be honest, if if they really should have won, because remember Liverpool was at sixth and seventh after giving up the second goal, they basically just give Newcastle the ball right in front of their box. What was it, a three-on-one? And then for some reason, Cissé, I think it was Cissé, just kicked the ball right back to the Liverpool defender. I think he was so stunned that they just gave him the ball right back. And that, and of course, and that's that cutting edge that a, you know a team that's really full of confidence goes and scores a third, and then it's three to two. But uh, I, I was just so happy to to get the bat, you know, to get the point. Um, Man City was brutal. I mean, we all saw just one of the worst decisions. One of the worst decisions. I, I mean, I, I know Premiership. You know, we always say this is the worst decision in Premiership history, but. He was not a half yard offside. He was two yards offside. It was so bad that Aguero kept looking at the linesman waiting for the flag to come up. He didn't yeah. even celebrate after scoring. You know, he was just going to kind of have a laugh with, his, with, you know, with the guys and go, yeah, that was. And then as soon as he didn't see the flag, he just jumped on his, on his teammates going, wow, I got away with one. I mean, it was, and, and it's a shame that stuff like that keeps happening in Newcastle. I do think that they kind of got, they could have given a penalty uh, for, you know, against Liverpool. I, I, I'm happy that Sturridge just dived right there at the, at the top of the box. It wasn't rewarded with a pen. So sometimes it goes for you, sometimes it doesn't. But, all right, let's talk about the future. The future is Crystal Palace. Uh, you know, Alan Pardew's guys are going to be flying high coming into the FA Cup final. It is absolutely imperative that Newcastle gets the first goal. They have to, because they can't afford to tie this game. They need to win, and I don't think they have to win convincingly. I mean, I think that, you know, Pardue, we give the guy a lot of slack. We we slag the guy off a lot, and and, and rightly so. But we've all found out since he left that he wasn't even allowed to pick, one, he couldn't pick the guys he wanted to sign, and Mm -hmm. two, he could not play anybody he wanted to play during cup games. And I think that's been made abundantly clear Mm -hmm. since he left. So I mean, you know, good for you know, good for him. Good for you. Let them let them go and win the darn FA Cup. As long as we can beat <laughs> Crystal Palace and uh, and get the three points, but, guys, I just I don't know, man. I don't even know if nine points are going to be enough. I just have a feeling that even if Newcastle wins the last three games, that they're going to come up maybe a point short. That you know that that, that Sunderland's going to find a way, or Norwich is going to you know is going to grab points here and there. I just, it, 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 what do you guys think? I mean, it'd be real easy to say, oh, well, Newcastle's going to win their, their next three games. But, dude, Newcastle's only won, like, one of their last, what, mm-hmm. ten or something? I mean, yeah. I know that, I, I mean, I know that it's great that they've got these ties, but they're still dropping points with these ties, like we talked yeah. about last week. So, I, I don't know, guys. I mean, I'll tell you one thing, though, and, and I got the, the guy from Coming Home Newcastle probably didn't like the tweet I sent. <laughs> Even if, 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 they, if they win their final three games and they still go to the championship, mm. I don't know what I'll t- I mean, I, I won't be, I'll be mad that they're going to the championship, but you can't say that they backed into anything. I mean, they, they would have played their tails off and would have mm-hmm. had so much confidence, and maybe that keeps Benitez. Who knows? It's interesting, actually. Maybe, maybe that I, does. I saw, a, I saw a statement tonight from Papi Sisi. He said that Rafa Benitez asked him to run through a, a, brick, a brick wall, they would all do it. It's amazing the change. Oh, I mean, dude, he took one of them off the pitch. Mm-hmm. He took like their number one signing. He has benched him. Mm-hmm. He has benched Shelby. Have you heard any discourse in the locker room? Have you heard any players coming mm-hmm. out 
and complaining about lack of playing time. No, they're all just, I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly what we've been wanting from Newcastle United for, for the past couple of years, and especially this year. Lace up your boots and go out there, go out there and give it all for the shirts. What I think is kind of funny, Neil and Andrew, is the two guys that I wanted pulled off the pitch at halftime are the two guys that scored <laughs> for well, the second half. I'm saying, get Cole back and see off the pitch. That's football for you, mate, isn't it? Every time. You do you every time. Like, you make a, you make a wide-ranging sweeping statement and plant your flag in the top mm-hmm. of the pile, and then somebody shoots your flag down. Every time, mate. Always. I couldn't believe it when they said who scored the goals. I must admit, I've been praying that Cissé would do something, and then he gets a, he gets, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say it was a mistake by Mignolet, but obviously he didn't get there. But at least Cissé was uh, aware enough to put the ball in the back of the net, and we got lucky with with the the callback thing. But I don't know what you sense, Neil. Um, obviously, we've got uh, uh, Steve Hasty due on soon, but. I, do, do, do you fancy, um, Chris, um, that Newcastle could blow somebody away with a large scoreline, and that could be, and that could be Crystal Palace? No, I think it'll be Aston Villa. Yeah, I think it'll be Aston Villa. I think, I think, I think if they, if they, if they, if they put a hammering on somebody, it'll be Aston Villa. They need to just get a victory against Crystal Palace. I don't care if it's one to nothing. Mm. You know, even, even though they owe Crystal Palace for the hammering that they took. I, I just think they need to get three points. But I think if they're going to put a if they're going to put a hiding on somebody, I believe it's Aston Villa. They're going to their heads are going to be down. They're relegated, and Newcastle fans are going to love it. Even though it's it's a shame to revel in someone's misery, but you know they certainly reveled in our club's misery. You know, you know when we went down. It's so, quite uh, funny, isn't it, Chris? It's it's quite funny, isn't it? They they make fun of us when we went down, and it's amazing, isn't it? The reverse karma they've received. They're going down with a hell of a bang. So, you know, they may be going down. They're not going down fighting. They're going down like cowards. So it just shows you when you go to that, when you when you actually go to make the effort to, to, to call another team who are going down. Obviously, Newcastle then got relegated. Mm-hmm. Karma is such a big thing. And it, it should stop other fans doing the same thing because, you know, I can understand it being local teams. You, you want to have a pop at them. But you, on, in no situation, you should be making up banners to call other teams' names, because you know Aston Villa and Newcastle are quite uh, similar in lots of ways. Oh, absolutely, and they're both old clubs, guys, and and I'm sure there's there's going to be some Newcastle punters that are going to be slagging them off and making signs. But I would think the majority of Newcastle fans are more concerned with their club than Aston Villa. I just think that it, they'll be excited. Hopefully, that, that, that Newcastle can go there and get all three points. And do it in a in a in a very good fashion. Like I, I think two nil or three nil or three one or four one, something like that is not out of the question. Give but me a, give I, me I would a, hope yeah. that Newcastle fans show the kind of character and not. I mean, because Aston Villa, they're done. They're you know that's mm-hmm. like kicking a do- a dead you know kicking a dead dog. It's done. There's mm-hmm. no reason to to pile on. They're already going to the championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and Newcastle right now needs to be concerned about themselves and what our club needs to do to stay up. And Give make me a sure score line. That's playing yeah. next year. Give me a score line before I bring in Steve Hasty. Give me a score for Saturday. Crystal Palace. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two 0 I think that Newcastle gets the gets the early goal and then uh, finds a way to you know kind of keep keep things under control and they get and they they get another one and they beat they beat them two 0 Do we stay up or not? 
do we stay up or not? <laughs> I, if it comes down to Tottenham, I'm worried. I really am. Unless unless Lester has sewn things up. If Lester has sewn things up, but when it comes down to Tottenham, I'm worried. But guys, I just want to know. I just let you know this has been a. It's been a pleasure. It's been so much fun talking to you guys the last couple of years. I think we've had a blast. Uh, hopefully, if yeah. hopefully Newcastle is a Premiership team when we meet up again. Uh, but if not, uh, you know, I'll find a way to listen to it on the radio or whatever <laughs> I had to do last time to uh, to follow my favorite club. Because uh, really, the EPL doesn't hold that much appeal to me if Newcastle's not in. Mm, exactly. So, uh, exactly. So that's kind of how I feel. So, guys, it was great. Neil, enjoy yourself. I, I, you're about yes, to Chris. hit. Uh, it, 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 the summer's about to continue for the next six months <laughs> in the yes, Dubai. I realize. <laughs> you go from a hundred. You go from a hundred to a hundred five to a hundred and ten. Oh yeah. <laughs> those, those are the equivalent degrees. That and you I get. love it. <laughs> as long as your AC is working, you love it. <laughs> Boy, Andrew, ask ask Neil what happens if an air conditioner goes out of the house. Oh. You go to the Middle East. You, oh, you talk about oh, guys better be over there immediately <laughs> to get it fixed. Yeah, you've you've got to have somebody on on like immediate standby. Oh man, oh, <laughs> that, that, that's like a nine one. That's like a nine one one call in the states if the AC goes out. It went out. <laughs> it went out for a week. When I first came over, I got this odd reputation as the, as the stupid white guy that wanted to walk everywhere. Um, and, I, and until the day I walked to work, and when I got in through the front door, I looked like somebody poured a bucket of water over my head. Oh, yeah, you look like you just jumped in the pool with your, with your clothes on. I was there thinking, I'm not doing that again. Dear me. Yeah, if you walk into the Middle East, it's like at 6 in the morning. Because you have believe, to experience yeah. it to believe it, all right. <laughs> Well, honestly, uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew, he's right. I mean, until you've experienced the kind of heat he and I are talking about, and I lived in Rostanora, so it was 95% humidity on top of that because it's right on the Persian yeah. Gulf. Until you've experienced it, we can't describe it for you. It's just, <laughs> you just get used to it. As long well, as I'll be there. In, I'm going to have two hours. I'm going to have two hours there next Monday when I, before I head to Australia. So, but I'm sure I'll be in air conditioning. So it's going to be interesting. But thanks for coming on, Chris. It's always been a pleasure to have you on. And guys, it's this, always this great. Give Steve, uh, say hi to Steve for me as well. And um, and let's and away the lads. And let's hope that the guys can pull this off. Let's hope so. Thanks so much, Chris. Cheers, mate. Right, so pleasure. Pleasure to have you on. Cheers, Cheers mate. Ta-da. Cheers. As always, Chris is always good quality before he heads to the golf course. And that brings us to our next uh, panellist, which is Steve Hasty from Newcastle United Fans Forum. Good evening, Steve. How are you? Good evening. I'm very well, thank you. How are so, you guys? I'm not too bad. It's been a good show. Uh, Bryn Law and uh, obviously my various other guests, uh, Dan Sheridan, who's just come back from uh, New Zealand. So tell me, what's been your take on it? Um, it's been an interesting last couple of games. Uh, everybody seems to be pulling in one direction, but you know, with Newcastle, we're only one game away from complete and utter horror. What's your Ooh, thoughts? Uh, that what? was harsh, man. That was harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is, as as they said at the fans forum, there is no reason to worry. So um, there's no plan B. So tell me, what, what, what was your thoughts on uh, Man City and um, as well as the um, the, the comeback against uh, Liverpool? Well, I thought on both occasions, both the Manchester City game and the Liverpool game, it showed that uh, what Rafa Benitez has been able to do is to instil a little bit of guts. And mm. uh, 
a little bit of confidence in the team that we've always said that the team should be lacking, but the, the certainly he's, he's instant, instilled a, a fighting spirit now. Um, and that's great to see, absolutely fantastic to see, mm. because uh, the way that we were languishing under McLaren, um, and as, as the conversations have been going earlier, as I've been listening to from a lot of your callers, you know, the the, the malaise that had set in from, mm. the, from really from the start of the season. And it's interesting you're talking about McLaren there early, mm. earlier. Yeah. You know, obviously, he turned up at the fans forum and, uh, <laughs> excuse me, given, given one thing, he was always very positive when he's speaking, but I thought that, I think that comes from the sort of media training that uh, that the guys were talking about, you know, when you do these uh, these coaching badges and these uh, these UEFA A and UEFA E badges and C and D and E and whatever, however many else badges you can get, um, they certainly instilled media training, I mean, McLaren had it aplenty, didn't he, you know, Um we saw it when he took over in England that uh, it was one of the, the, the smiling face, the, the way that he changed his appearance, got his new teeth put in, etc., etc. Um, he was good at that, and he came over quite well uh, to, to everybody at the mm. at the fans forum at the time. Um, but what we've got now is we've got a we've got a, a completely different kettle of fish. We've got a man who's come in who's identified the problems and actually has the ability to do something about it. Mm. He's been able to spot the, spot the issues and and bring in a plan that can hopefully resolve some of the issues. We've, we've, seen, we've seen a change team. We've seen a change, a, a mega change in the club. We're seeing a change in the, in the, in the team. And on the terraces, uh, if we can still use that phrase, and I think everybody knows what I mean, um, the newfound confidence uh, that, he's, that he's bringing in, it's 100% behind Rafa Benitez, you know. Mm. Um, City, I thought, were robbed. Uh, perfectly honest in mm. terms of the, the goal and that's already been commented upon today mm. um, two yards offside um, shocking decision um, you know we're, we're talking about professional um, people now who you know these guys get paid for the job um, that they're, they're professionals they should be able to spot that um, it, it was right in front of us that line's been had an absolute stinker of a game quite mm. frankly um, mm. Probably one of the worst uh, performances I'd seen from a from an official at St James's Park, and we've had some absolute corkers over the years. But this, that guy was just so behind. I mean, it was it was the mi- mm. absolutely it was the middle of the second half when he when he gave a decision to us where the entire um, Melbourne stand and the, that corner of the of the uh, of the Gallagher end stood up in unison and applauded. And giving yep. a, a throw into us, and you know, and <laughs> you know, I mean, I know we, we all like the referee a game, but I've, I've always had this thing that when you see something from the far side of the pitch, and you know, uh, three thousand people stand up in unison and, and call for it and call against the decision that the referee's given, it's usually because we're being honest and we've we've seen that the the linesman has made a, an absolute terrible decision. Whether it's from a throw-in, uh, the ball being out of play, an offside flagging, whatever, and uh, <laughs> when the entire ground does it, then you know that the bloke's in trouble. Yeah. You know that the bloke's so far, far behind the times, uh, and that was that was what we had. Now, I, I don't know about you, Neil. You you know exactly where I sit. You know what mm. what we're up against and what they're up against. You know, and uh, you've witnessed it before, I'm sure. Oh, I. It, 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 that where where you are, 
you can see you're pretty much down that 18 yard box and yeah. use that as your reference point. And that That's guy right, all, all, all night was given poor decisions both ways. It wasn't just yeah. that offside. There was a number of decisions the whole night. And even in commentary over here and in the studios over here, they couldn't work out what the hell was going on. No. You, know, well, you could see yeah. there, was, there was genuine incredulity on, on, on people's faces. Andy Gray, Richard Keyes, and I think we had Graham Souness. Um, not the greatest combination, obviously. But <laughs> they, even, they, even they was kind of looking at each other like, well, what do we say about this? Other yeah. than it's badly wrong. And then they showed another five or six where we got it badly wrong. You know, it's it, it, mess of a night. That bloke had an absolute horror of a night. I think you know, it, you know what gets me as well. You see, you see situations where he's, he's staring straight at a player, and the players yeah. are within a yard and a half of him. He's staring straight at them. You see the ball ricochet, and it comes. It's it's at it's at Sissoko's feet, for example, and it ricochets off Sissoko against the defender and goes out for our throw-in. He's not mm-hmm. looking at the ground. He's not looking at the ball. He's looking beyond the players or staring at the players. And he flags for a, for a throw to Man City. And you're thinking, hang on, it's blatantly obvious mm. it's come off the Man City player. So Soto's going to get the ball to take the throw in. Or Callback's going to get the ball to take the throw in. Because that player knows what's just happened in front of him. He knows that the ball's ricocheted because he's, he's there and he's, he's played the ball. And, and, the, and the linesman decides, well, I'm not watching this, but I'm just going to flag. And then the really, really annoying thing that you get from them this day and age is where they can't make a decision. And they're waiting for the referee, who's sometimes 40 or 50 yards away, to make the decision. And then they acknowledge the referee's decision. And you're thinking, uh-huh. hang on, what, what are you there for? You know? uh-huh. Now, in the old days, I remember talking to a first-class referee who said, and it used to happen. It used to happen on Saturdays when I played. It used to happen on Sundays. The referee would say, "I'm referee in the game. Your your job is simply to acknowledge what I say. What I say goes." Now, remember a program on TV quite a few years ago where they did a profile. They followed the referees into the change rooms and things like that. And you heard, you know, somebody like Gallagher or somebody like that turning around and going. Right, this is what I want from you. I want, I want you to look for this, and I want you to look for that, and you leave everything else to me. And you think, well, what's the point of them being there, you know? Yep. And I think, and I, think that's, I think that still goes on, despite the microphones and the little clickers on the end of, of flags and, and this type of thing. I think that still goes on. It's still a power trip for the referee for him to make all the big calls. Mm. What, what, what's your thoughts coming there? Obviously, the weekend with the return of the mighty Pardew. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Because it's going to be such a big, big game. Like it, it is. <clears throat> it's a big game not just because it's Alan Pardew. It's a big game full stop. It's a big game mm. because whether it was Alan Pardew as manager or, or just Crystal Palace with, the, you know, with anybody uh, in charge, it, it's a big game for Newcastle. What we don't want was we don't want the, the, the fact that it's Pardew to, to overpower what is an important fixture for Newcastle United. I think Benitez is, is a far, far superior manager to, mm. to Pardew. I think that on paper, we, we, we look as though we're now starting to play as a team. I think we're seeing performances from individual players. I think we're, I, I went on Twitter the other day and I said that somehow he's managed to find 
the Czech Teoti in a cupboard from 2011 and bring him out the package and, and unwrap him and, and put him on the mm. pitch because we're seeing a different Czech Teoti all of a sudden. Whether Czech Teoti likes to play alongside Kovac or not, I don't know. I, I very much doubt it. But they seem to have blended into a system because they're, they're listening to instruction. They're listening yeah. and being coached. And at the end of the day, yeah. players like that need to be coached. They need to be told what to do. Give them players, sort of players the heads and give them the freedom. And you see the sort of performances that we've had from them all season. But get a hold of them and give them a signal and tell them what they've got to do. And you watch Benitez. I've spoken about this for the last couple of weeks with Benitez. You watch them on the, on the touchline, signaling, manoeuvring, pointing. He has, mm-hmm. he has people behind him whose role it is to just do certain things. Mm. He signals and he goes, get on there, because he spotted something going wrong that mm. they're responsible for. And then he sees assistant come out, and he, he's perhaps been working specifically with a full-back and a centre-back, and, and Benitez spots something that they're not doing that he wanted them to do or that they were told to be doing, and he makes it their job to tell them. He's constantly. Mm. You watch his hand. It's like the glove puppet. It's like the puppet's missing, but the you know the glove's gone, but the hand's mm. still moving. He's his fingers. He's got system. Everything. That's great to watch. It's brilliant to watch. Even better when it comes off. And thankfully, it has been coming off for us in the last few games. You know, and I think it's the hard work that he's putting in, and the respect yeah. that he's building up among those players. And that's the, That's the good thing. We've got to keep him. There's no question. As, as Lee and the rest of the lads have said, we've got to keep this man, you know. And I think we will. I think if, even if we, God forbid, go down, I think Benitez is the sort of bloke who'll turn around and go, you know what, I want to be part of the rebuilding. I'm enjoying this. I, I, have, to, I, have, to dis- I have to disagree on that. I, don't, I think, yes, I think if we go down, I just can't see him staying, Neil, can you? I, I just don't, well, I just I, don't I, see I it. The, the word... That I'm receiving over here from you know various contacts here is that he's he's open-minded to the possibility of staying, yeah, and that he still yeah. sees it very much as a project. My concern is, is that if this if that Spain job comes along, mm. it, it's surely too good for him not to take, and that 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 would be my concern with it. I think it's it, we just have to keep sort of him um, trucking on. Really, uh, like Lee said earlier, the way we are at the moment is game by game. Then we'll worry about everything else after that. And all we've got to focus on is a a fan base, is a team, is a club, is a city, is a collective, is that one game. And then do it again for the next game. And if we're still alive and we're still in a fighting chance, we'll go game by game by game until Tottenham arrive. And then we'll see where we're at. Yeah. What do you think? This, what do you think? This, what, what can you hope from that game? I think people are. I think um, Neil has mentioned as well, and uh, Lee that, um, that you can see Newcastle uh, really blitz the team, but you think it's going to be Villa. Um, I think if Newcastle get in the face of Alan Pardew's team, uh, they'll be a bit nervous with the FA Cup final. But it's it's going to be a knife edge, isn't it? Because you you know they want to win. Uh, you know the one to win for Alan Pardew, Steve. Yeah, but you know what? We're forgetting this Alan Pardew team. This is an Alan Pardew team that didn't win for 13 games. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. like that. It's you know, the a they're a cup team. B they haven't won for 13 games, and they managed to scrape a win 
to break the. In fact, I don't know whether they managed even a win, or did they did they end up with a draw that got them where where they needed to be in True, terms yeah. of stopping the rot. You know, this isn't an Alan Pardew team that travels on the road and, and performs miracles and 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 you know puts teams to the sword. You know, this is this is this is an Alan Pardew team who the only a couple of weeks ago they're in the cup final now, but only a couple of weeks ago. Those Crystal Palace fans were screaming for his head, for goodness sake, you know. So let's let's forget about the Alan Pardew myth. We we've, we've got we've got a job to do, and I think we'll do that job on on Saturday. I think we'll then go to Villa and do a job on them, and then we'll see what Tottenham have got to make for themselves. When Tottenham, if if they're if they're still in with a shout of the of the, of the league, which I doubt they will be, then you know all bets are off. It's, it's very much a you know, it becomes a cup final. And, I, and we're not very good at cup finals, but it's a do-or-die effort. I'm hoping right. that, it's, that it's, it's gone by then, both for them and for us. And we can both go in and relax and, and just have a, a really good last game. But we've got to get, we've got to get those, that win under our belt. We've got to kick-start it against Palace and then follow it up against Villa. And, and then, as you say, we then look at the final game, see where we are, what have we got to do, are we going into that? Even if we're going into that needing a draw, Benitez won't go into that game looking for a draw. Don't, no. You know, no two, two doubts about that. You'll not risk that. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I don't know whether you guys, one of the things you haven't picked up today, that I don't know whether you heard some of the comments from the likes of, of um, maybe uh, Allardyce, who said that he, was, he, he wanted Leicester to win the league, or... To, uh, Pulis, Pulis is playing Tottenham tonight, West Brom, <laughs> and he's come out and said, I want Leicester to win the league. And you're thinking, whoa, hang on a minute. You're playing Tottenham tonight. Oh, does are, are that you work? Gonna, are you going to lie down here? Mm. He actually came out with that at the press conference. It, it was all over one of the talk radio shows uh, on the drive home tonight, listening to them, absolutely tearing them apart because of, of a statement like that. And we're hearing it from other managers. Oh, I would like, I'd like Leicester. Hang on, I, I wouldn't like Leicester to win the league. I wouldn't like Tottenham to win the league. I'd like mm. Newcastle United to win the league. And that's it. Mm. And people, say, people have asked me, you know, I've been in the pub and the lads, and, oh, uh, who do you want to win the league? Well, Newcastle. <laughs> I'm going to get no joy out of Leicester winning the league. I get no joy out of Man United winning the league. Or Liverpool, if they ever did, or Chelsea. So why would I get any joy out of Leicester? I don't support Leicester either, you know. I think they're all. I, I think they've, a... they've all been sucked in, haven't they? I think because people are talking about it. I think there's only they only need five points, don't they, to win it? And yeah. I think it seems like the press are definitely asking the question of other managers, and they're just being sucked into it. That's yeah. that's what I think. But, but it seems how, that way to me. How unprofessional is yeah. that? And what yeah, what does that say? What does that say about? About, I mean, when the when the players of West Brom hear their manager saying <laughs> they want the ones they want Leicester to win the league, do, the, do those players go, you know what? If I didn't try it tonight, it doesn't really matter. The boss isn't going to be bothered. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, yeah. it, it's it, it's it's virgin on the corrupt. It's virgin mm. on on match fixing almost when you when you see it and you hear it like that. You know. It's scandalous. These guys need to be taken to task, you know. Mm. But you know that they won't. You know that mm. they, 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 you know, Lily Livad bunch at the Premier League, who, you know, it's a club of their own. They'll not mm. do anything about mm. it, you know. 
Oh, give me a score for Saturday. Obviously, I'll, you can. I'll, if you want to, it'd be nice for you to stay on because I've got to bring Kevin and then John is the final call. So, give me a score for Saturday, uh, Steve. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like the previous caller. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say two nil. Yeah, you know? two nil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It seems seems to be a, a figure. People are saying two or three nil. So, um, th- I think I'll go with that. But uh, I'll be happy I'm gonna... with one, mate. I'm happy with one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take one nil with the ball bouncing in off to you his capacious backside. That would be yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's I think that, I think it'll be lift off on Saturday if we score the first when when when, when we score the first goal. But uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, obviously, all season, Steve. Thanks so much for being on, and no obviously problem. stay on if you want because we're going to. I'm going to bring in Kev yeah, the next yeah. call. Okay, so That's stay on. Kev, yeah. Lovely. Uh, Okay, and I'm going to bring in Kevin um, from the Newcastle United fan. He's been on the he's been on the show mostly all week. It's, uh, he can be reached on 1892. Sorry, on Twitter he can be 1892. Remember, from next season he he has got he's going to be bringing out a, a fanzine so other people can talk on Newcastle United. So if you want to get in touch with Kevin, it's at 1892. Good evening, Kev. How are you? Good evening, chaps. Stuff bad. Thank you very much. So Good tell evening, me. Kevin. Yeah. Evening, Steve. <laughs> yeah, right, so, mate. So tell me what the last the last week. How have you been? How have you been taking all these? Uh, you know the the changes. What's going on with with the res, with the improvement in performances? And uh, obviously, we've got Mr. Pardew come back this weekend. Yeah, it's very very frustrating um, that there's a team on that football pitch. Mm. Um, that are capable of doing things, and that if we'd had the right man in from the start, mm. or the right man in from Christmas, we would never be in the predicament we're in. Uh, that is very, very frustrating, and it, it all comes from one man, that's Lee Charnley, um, Chase McLaren, when he wasn't doing well at Derby County, um, and it's very frustrating, you know, uh, the performances of late have been better, especially in the last three games, first half against Liverpool wasn't the greatest, I think we're... Mm. You know, we're, we're, we're weak. It was, a, it was a horrendous start again, like Southampton. Um, but the second half, you know, wasn't scared to change it around. Brought the right players off who were performing, brought the right players on um, and, and turned around, you know, and we look good again. Um, biggest concern now is we'll need both Sunderland and Norwich yeah. to lose two games. Um, yeah. And we need to win all three. Now that's going to be hard. Um, we're relying on favours. It's not in our hands. Um, and we've got to perform. That's the biggest issue we've got. Um, and if we don't, then it's you know it's our own fault. Um, and we need, uh, you know, tonight you need. It's as strange as it sounds. You need a, a West Brom team to go out there and beat Tottenham. That's how this. This is where we're yeah. where, where we're at now. Um, we need Tottenham to lose a game. Let's start win the title before the last game. Sutherland to get beat twice. Norwich to get beat twice. Um, it's out of our hands. But you know you've got to keep the faith. I guess. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I I think Lee or Neil or Steve said it um, mm. when it comes to um, Sunderland actually going one nil down uh, in a game. Um, I think since they since Stoke lost their goalkeeper, um, they've obviously lost a, they've, they've been losing games quite heavily. So it is um, an interesting one because you can't imagine. Um, you know the way Sun have been played against Norwich. I think surprise didn't surprise me actually, but the fact that they they're at home and they've got a really good a really good chance to beat an Arsenal team that played the same team 
uh, on Thursday. Um, you know, you, you, I think with Newcastle coming back to draw 2-2, two, two, it's, you know, you're watching every game now and it's like, well, <laughs> w- w- you know, what what do you want to happen? You know, you're, even, you're watching Crystal Palace, wanting them to get the final. The whole relegation thing just is unbelievably tight, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Um, I mean, your, your ideal scenario um, would be Sutherland and Norwich to lose the next two and us to win the next two. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, but I mean that doesn't guarantee with safety um, because we're a point behind them. The, the, I think the biggest biggest um, shining light for Newcastle is I Sutherland aren't doing bad. You know, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not perform. They're, not, they're playing okay, but they're not winning every game. They're not winning mm-hmm. games. Yeah, they beat Norwich. Yeah. Um, Norwich beat us. You know, but these Norwich and Sunderland aren't winning games away from uh, against us. You know, against mm-hmm. each other. Um, that, that's the biggest thing. They're drawn. They're not finding the nets. Now we're looking like we can actually win games. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've went to a hard place in Liverpool. We drew with Man City. You know, we've given Swansea a tonk, and yeah. now if we can keep this form up. We're going to give ourselves every chance of surviving. Um, look, it's going to be difficult. We're not. We're, I, I, I think we're still a go. Personally, um, I've got more optimism now than I did have, but mm. I still think we're going to struggle to stay up because of the fact we've got to win all three games. Mm. And to be honest with you, I think the biggest problem you've got is Tottenham. They're not going to slip up. They're going to take that on the last day. I think. Uh, I think Leicester will get beat off Manchester United or Chelsea. Uh, that's your problem. Um, I can't say Leicester win them three games or winning two. Um, mm. We need them to win two games now, basically. They need to win at Manchester United and they need to beat Everton. So Tottenham have nothing to play for. Mm. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Manchester United aren't going to lie down. There's no way they're going to lie down and let them win the league. You don't think um, by winning the next two games, Newcastle could be safe? Um no, I don't no, because they Norwich and Sunderland have still then got two games to play. Um you know, it's that's what you you're facing. They've got they've, I don't know, it's difficult, you know, it's it's, it's really difficult to call it because we're playing well now. It's mm. a bit of hope. Um but it's still not the ask. You know, you're looking at it's now out of our hands, you you've got them they've got to fail for us mm. to, to stay up. Um we've got to win our games, it's as simple as that. All three games. Don't care what anyone mm. says. You've got to win all three games um, to have to to stay up. I can't see two games being enough. To be totally mm. honest, um, I can see you know Sullivan and Norwich getting a couple. One of them bound to win two games, and then mm. that would be without. So you've got to win all three. Um, it's in the hands of the gods, unfortunately. I think uh, probably the difference between Benitez come you know the last couple of the games the last month or so he's given them belief and the, the good thing to, to hear from um, you know Cissé tonight in one of the papers saying the players will uh, break you know run through a um, a, a door uh, you know like through bricks and mortar for for what yeah. um, the, the manager's done so you know considering where we've come from uh, the, the only problem is before I obviously I ask you for a result before I bring in John um what do you think the um, the score is going to be on Saturday? Um, I think we'll win. Um, I think we might win comfortably. I think we'll do two or two or three, and maybe that's been a bit adventurous. But I, I think we've got a bit of confidence now, and I think we could we could beat Palace. Um, they'll be on a high from the from the cup final. But 
I think they they might look to rest players that are safe now. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get dragged into it. Um, they might start looking to think, oh, let's let's rest a few players now. And, but anyway, I think we'll win regardless. I think we'll we'll give them a good scene. Uh, beat. Um, I just think it's too little, too late, unfortunately. Yeah, I think. Uh, do you think if if the worst happens, do you think Benitez will stay, or or do you think Newcastle are going to go? Um, oh. There's a plan B because Aston Villa have been down for weeks and they haven't got a plan B. They haven't got a manager. They're trying to sell. The, they're trying to sell the the, the yeah. club. It's you know as as, as Steve yeah as Steve said. It's like you know like Newcastle didn't have a have a plan for relegation. Yeah, well probably not. You know I'm, I must I must just say that um, I'm so happy that Aston Villa are in this predicament because of the way they treated us. By the way, um, what goes around comes around and all that. Um, with regards to Benitez, I think you've got to look at. Uh, they're going to sit down after ten games, aren't they? It just depends how if he's fell in love with the club and the fans. If he has, you never know. He might stay. He might bring them back up first time. Get rid of the likes of Colachini. Get rid of the likes mm. of Taylor off the wage bill. Bring some money up to keep him to pay his wage for the year. Because I think if you kept most of that team together under him, you'd mm. walk the championship without a doubt. Mm. The biggest problem you've got is convincing Rafael Benitez every year in the championship. And then saying to him after that, you can go and do whatever you want with this football club. Um, if I'm honest, I don't think that'll happen because I don't think Mike actually will cough up the money that's required to keep him at the football club when we're in the championship. I think the the drop in, in revenue that will come to the football club through your TV deals, etc., will be too much um, to cope with. To cope with a high a high um, profile manager like Benitez's wages at the club. And I think that's your biggest issue. Um, the football club to go forward has to stay in the Premier League. And it's just yeah. simple as that. Mm. OK, well, thanks so much for coming on, Kev. Thanks for waiting so long tonight to come on. And uh, it's been great no on the show. And uh, we'll get you back for next season. And we'll talk more about uh, getting people to write uh, for you to publish their, their thoughts on the club. Let's hopefully, hope, pray, whatever you want to do, uh, that it's in the Premier League. Let's hope so. <laughs> no problem. Thanks a lot, Kev. Been yeah, a pleasure. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Well, uh, I think uh, probably the one person uh, who tonight who probably thinks like me. Well, I think we're worried. I think we're going to. I think we could be going down. But I'm going to bring in the last call of the se- of this evening uh, with uh, with Steve Hasty, with uh, Neil Mitchell in Dubai, and it's the one and only John Newcastle United fan. Good evening, John. How are you? Ooh. How are we doing, on Andrew, Steve, and Neil, and everyone here in a few hours? So. All right, man. Hello, John. Are you all right, man? I'm fine, Steve. How are we doing, son? Yeah. You feeling confident you're going to do it? Steve? I am. I am. Are you? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I've always said, since that's what happened to it, I think this guy is going to keep us up, and, uh, I've, and I think we're going to last few games. It's simple as that. We're going to do it. Were you shocked at were you shocked at two 0 down at, at uh, when we got to half time on uh, against Liverpool? Um, well, I mean, I mean Liverpool played us off the park, didn't they? In the first half, I put the movement, skill, pace was a little bit too much for us on the day. But I mean, once we went two 0 down, I thought, well, maybe we'll write this one off. But uh, to be fair, I mean, you got to give credit to Rafa, sort of thing. What he said at half time, it certainly worked because. Um, we really had a good. We went for it. They they got us off in the trouble, and they had to pick the sauce up. And after exactly what they thought, and um, an early goal is going to be very important, especially in the second half. And thank God we got it. And uh, 
we just had to chase another goal, and we did. And if we believe also a little bit more, I think we would have won that. Yeah, I think that a lot of a lot of uh, commentators, uh, John and well, Steve, you can probably answer this one, but uh, Darlow um, seemed to come in for a, a a lot of praise. But I watched him, and I, I I didn't think he had that many saves to make. Did, did you? And then obviously Neil can answer as well. He, he didn't seem to have that many saves at all. Yeah. I mean, perfectly honest, the, the, the I think you know, like all you know, you you you, you look back and you you, you criticise goalkeepers, criticise mm. you know the goalkeeper more than anyone else is is in the firing mm-hmm. line for criticism, mm. isn't he? Mm. And I thought that you know, really we 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 couldn't we couldn't blame Darlow for any of the goals. I thought that he you know uh, the the second goal in particular, well the first one it just went it went right across him, but it, I don't think anybody in the ground even thought that that Sturridge was gonna was gonna take a shot at that point, you know. Um, so uh, A so early in the game and B where he was the way he turned he controlled the ball beautifully um, so you kind of have, have that one and the other one well it went you know right in the top corner didn't it It was if there's anywhere where you put the ball it's there uh, where you can guarantee the goalkeeper's not going to get his hands on it mm. but there was, a, there was a few shaky periods in the second half but I thought that you know we, we acquitted ourselves really really well and, uh, and and you know, it's got to remember the lads only the lads only been in that you know, was what mm-hmm. his, his second game. He's you know he made his, made his second or third game. He made his home debut the other day um, against Man City. It's interesting though. What I like I like to ask the lads while they're on. Do you think that Benitez has now not only instilled the confidence in the team but brought back that ability that, that we've had in the past to be able to raise our game against the big teams? You know, we we all we have done all season. You know, we played well against Manchester United early in the season. We played well against Liverpool. Um, you know, we played played well in the first half against City down there, where we, you know, if truth be known, without, without uh, Aguero, we we could have been three one up in that game um, if we put our chances away. We couldn't. In fact, we could have been three now. Though Aguero then, you know, suddenly hit a, a, a patch where he ends up scoring five goals. You know. Um, but we, we, we've always done that. We've played well against Chelsea at home. We've been able to raise our games. Now, all of a sudden, we're doing it. But we're also playing, we're playing decent football mm. at times. The confidence is there. Benitez has brought that. These are, these are things that had gone. Things mm. that, had, that were no... You know, McLaren, oh. it was out of the system. There was no belief whatsoever. Um, and I think a magician really has managed to pull this round, you know. Um, mm. And I think we can carry on. And I, I, I genuinely think that we, if we go down, that he'd stay. I have this, I have this England that he that he'll stay. Um, but I don't see the Spanish job as being something that's particularly it, um, a one that he'll call. I don't know whether the job's going to be available in the summer. Mm. And having already already managed Real Madrid. Um, in Spain, and his stock was pretty low after he left mm. there. Um, you know, the, the fact that you're a real, mm. former Real Madrid manager, and then you take over the, the Spanish national team, mm. um, it can often that can that can be yeah, that can backfire. Yeah, situation. You know. So, do, so what, what's your thoughts on his question there, uh, Neil? Well, uh, um, what? Uh, what, what do you want us to comment on now? Because <laughs> we, we've gone all around the houses again, as usual. <laughs> so t- just uh, t- tell them again uh, what were your thoughts on uh, 
Rafa, do you we, think obviously raising, I think raising, raising in the big games, Neil. Yeah. The well, that, we, that we can raise ourselves in big games. It's something we've always be, seen. We've been well, I, I mentioned, it, mentioned it earlier tonight. The, the frustration is where was that fight against Bournemouth? Where was it against Watford mm-hmm. twice? Yeah. Where was it against Chelsea? Yeah. You know, we, we didn't see any of that against them, and this is why we're in the predicament we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously done something different with the mentality of that dressing room, and I think part of it, as we mentioned last week, is putting the armband on Sissoko. Mm. Sissoko is obviously somebody who needs to feel important, mm. needs to feel loved, and needs to feel like he's the main man. Yeah. And I'm wondering whether Benitez has worked that out pretty quickly. The, the armband certainly wasn't for Shelby, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so, so I think he's got into the heads. To hear CCA saying he'd run through a brick wall for yeah. him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought CCA would have run the... Run, well, you wouldn't have run the corner shop for Steve McLaren. <laughs> he just wouldn't you know, run. Uh, well, <laughs> he that, couldn't, get him, he, he couldn't get him on the pitch, never mind run anyway. Yeah, they probably had to get a, get a special shoe made for his, for his leg. That's the funny, the funny length, you know. Uh, I, I just don't know. I, 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 it's, it's, it's ever the frustrating thing that we can... Mm. We seem to drop to the level of the common denominator. So, you know, a man you rock up and we raise our game... Mm-hmm. Um, Bournemouth rock up and we drop my game, and 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 we've done that for a number of seasons. That's not just this year, Steve rightly says. Not just this year. Mm-hmm. John, um, do you, do you, coming, John, coming back yeah. to Darlow, by the way, I thought Darlow yeah. had a super game, and he made one save that was actually superb, proper fingertip job that was going in. Um, so you know, you got to remember, this is the lad where you desperately wanted back when he was out on loan and couldn't have back. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason why he was praised up and why we brought him and Lascelles, and we're seeing that now, and I think that's great. Yeah, what do you think, Johnny? I've been impressed with the with uh, the fact that now CC wants to run through brick walls, and we seem to be playing every single game now. We actually are starting to show up. The players are being brought in. Probably they're probably working more than what they ever did and they're not getting as many days off. Uh, does that does that give you a lot of more hope, John? Absolutely. I mean, the one thing I've noticed, um, they look a lot fitter. I think yeah. they look a lot faster. Uh, they yeah. look really, really, really good. I mean, back on to... See, I've got to come on to Taunton in a minute, but I'm on yeah. to um, Pat East. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's, um, he's getting there, but it's hold up clear. Just a little bit to be honest with you. Yeah. His first touch is dreadful. I thought his hold up play is awful. I mean that chance he had when um he was yeah, true. and yeah. um, he just brutally um tried to touch heavy yet again. I thought he was clumsy, I thought he was um gangly, I thought um he, he just totally lost his way. But to be mm. fair to him, I mm. he had a good game, I would have given him about a six or seven out of ten. But mm. he tries his best. He really tries his best. But I mean, I've got to come on the Townsend if you don't mind. I mean, yeah, a lot ahead. of people, a lot of people, right? When he first came and he thought, um, it's just going to be like um, another player sort of thing. It's just going to be like a good player, but not mm. special. But this guy, he's going to be absolutely key for us this season. He's good on the ball. He can dribble. He can run on the bar. I mean, he is. He can score goals. Not fighting the shoot. I think Andros is going to be some player. I think he could be our match winner. Whether to determine who is going to keep us up, I think he's going to be a good player. Him and um, he works so hard. His work for it is absolutely standard. Mm. I think the one thing I've, I'm going to ask Steve this one. Um, 
but yeah. I think uh, John makes a good point, doesn't he? Because on the left hand, on the on the right hand side, when they're at, when we're at home, we do seem to be have more of a threat now. And instead of giving the ball away a lot, we seem we seem to be able to with the with the, the quick one twos with with Townsend and with Sissoko, it it just looks more of a better balance now, doesn't it? It does, yeah. But you, you, you know, you, you often get a situation where a, a, a fullback <clears throat> and a midfielder who's playing out wide gel together, and for some reason, the last few games we've seen Townsend uh, really gelling with Anita. We didn't mm. see it so much when when he was standing in front of Jan Matt, but we're seeing it with Anita now. Whether or not that's because Anita can can pass a ball better, or whether it's mm. Anita's a little bit more disciplined, um, or whether it's Anita's just hit a little bit of form at the same time. So that was one of one of Townsend's critics when he first came because I thought that A didn't look fit. I thought B he he, he seemed to be um, in and out of games, and and that that tends to happen with wingers, doesn't it? You know, mm. as opposed to Thuvan yeah. who was out of games all the time. Yeah, you had you had him who was in and out of games. Mm. You know, you look at Oxlade Chamberlain and and mm. Walcott and players like that. They're, they're in a game and then they're out of it for for stretches. You know, and I thought that Townsend was a similar sort of style of player. But John's right. He, he's he's working his socks off. He's he's putting a lot of graft in it, and I think that when you've got the two of them working together and and obviously can build an understanding, that that's helping us. But also it's helping us the fact that CC is playing in more of a central role than the role he was playing as well. And as, as, as Neil said, with the captain's armband strapped, strapped to him as well, mm. it suddenly brought out this whole new confident player. Um, we know that he's big and he's strong and he's got the ability, um, and we're actually seeing that. And I mean, people made comparisons with, with, uh, with Yaya Toure, didn't they, when he came and, and you know, boxed the box. You're a, you're a Tory kind of get out of the box now, you know. I've never seen a player so big in my life, you know. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was looking at on Tuesday night, you know. Yeah, um, come with some money, just, yeah. Yeah, somebody described him as a roundabout, you know. He was a fixture, <laughs> fixture on the pitch that you had to go round because he was so huge, you know. Um, but that's, that's, that's the Sissoko that, we, that we've seen. And he's lived on the back of what... Three years since that Chelsea game where he made his debut, but all of a sudden he's he's, he's coming good again under a, under a manager who's hooked into it, found a system, and found a system around him as well. And and like I said earlier, a, a completely different Czech Teori, the old Czech Teori. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's what Benitez has spotted. Benitez has spotted something, and he's sticking with it for the hopefully the yeah. rest of the season and we'll get the results and then we'll see what happens in the close season if he's still there. What do you think, John, about obviously the situation with, well, I'll ask Stephen uh, Neil in this in a minute, but Dumbia, he's now been spotted in Russia. What's going on there? Oh, is he really in Russia? Today? Yeah. He actually really he was, there? He was really oh, there, yeah. I mean, who's, who's let him gone there in the first place? Did he get close permission? Did he... Um, was he? Did he just went never let, let the club know? Because to be honest, it's absolutely no use to us at all. Like I mean, why get the lad in the first place? I mean, I mean, who's decision to get him here? Was it a Clemens idea? I've, I personally, I've, I, well, I'm going to ask Steve. What do you think before I give it to Neil? I don't know whose idea it was to get him. I think <laughs> it was it was obviously a, a, a panic move. Um, again, an agent, some videos. Uh, you need a striker, you go and get him. 
It then turns out that he's the sort of bloke who doesn't like the training midweek. He likes mm. to turn up on a Friday and put a performance <laughs> in on a Saturday. Well, that was never, ever going to happen in the Premier League. And it certainly wasn't going to happen under Rafael Benitez. I presume Benitez has looked at it and thought, you know what, I don't need you. I've got a system that I'm going to play. Um, you want to go? You want to go off to Russia? You want to go back to your back to your club? You want to go and, and try and 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 see whether or not there's an opportunity for that for you there? Um, you've got some business. You want to go? I'm not bothered. You know, uh, Savi. He was on the bench one mm-hmm. week. He's on the bench the next week. You know, um, he's warming That's up. That's to be more strange, isn't it? And then and then and then all of a sudden he's not even in the squad. This is. But again, this is Benitez looking. You look at Wijnaldum, he's dropped. You look at Shelby, who was a £12 million player not very long ago, he's dropped, he's been brought on. You know, Mitrovic, there's another, another 15 mil, or 12 or £15 million player, and, mm. and he's decided, I'll stick with Cissé, because Cissé fits the formation I want, and I want, I want mm. Mitrovic as an impact Steve, player. Steve, um, yep, yeah. yep. Steve, can I just ask you a question? Do you think it's good for a manager such as Klaas as Rafa Benitez goes in there and not scared of dropping big names, I think it's good for the club. I think it's, I think it's fantastic, Sean. Yeah, fantastic. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I think it's fantastic that, that what, when he's done that, he's earned the respect of other players within the squad. And he's probably earned the respect of the players who, who he's dropped, you know, mm-hmm. to, a certain, to a greater or lesser degree because he's been able to take them on one side no doubt, and, and talk to them. And I, I, you hear managers these days saying, uh, mm. in, in interviews, you know, they get asked a question at a press conference and say, well, I haven't had a chance to talk to them. And you think, well, you've been with them all day. You know, is, is it the agent? Absolutely. Is there something in that contract that says you're not allowed to speak to me unless the agent's here? And I'm thinking, hang on, surely to God, you know, you must go around, you must chat to the players. Do you not go and have your lunch with them? You know, do you, are you not there on the training pitch? Yep. Steve, we've had this we've had this conversation before about how the, the power in the club is getting further and further in the dressing room. We've seen it this season down at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Those yep. players wanted Mourinho out and they got him out. Mm-hmm. And there's yep. too many players have too much power within the dressing room. I think Benitez has come in and just basically spent two weeks working out who he can trust and who he can't and who he fancies and who he doesn't. And Dumbia um, has been put back on a plane back home and just said, right, you're not going to finger... I'm not interested in you in, in the fact that you're not keen to train. You might as well just go back because yeah. we're done. Um, what we need and whoever whoever's, whoever sanctioned that signing mm. and whoever did the background work on this guy as a potential signing wants, a, wants more than a backside kick because he should never have stepped through the door of our football club. Not in the position we're in. We're, there's no place for passengers. We can't have any passengers. That's why people are being dropped from the team. If you're a passenger, you're out. Exactly. But Graham Carr only totally buys agree. the good players, doesn't he? Graham Carr uh, only well, buys yeah. the good players. He never buys the bad players, apparently, according to Evening Chronicle. <laughs> <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, uh, John, when it, obviously I get the... With Mitrovic, uh, to me, the, the most in, 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 strangest thing I've seen... You're right. I think I think Neil's right. I think when it comes to um, Mitrovic, he is only going to be used as an impact sub. He's more or less said to Cissé. That's the thing that I was happy about with with Cissé. His hold of play is unbelievably bad, but at least he got that goal. That could hopefully set him forward because if he hadn't got that goal and you've got an impact sub that's going to be Mitrovic, 
and to get goals, that's a massive worry. Um, we, yeah, go ahead. Look, and, and, Andrew, I don't, I don't think Sissy has got a full game in him. I think that's the yeah. bottom line. Yeah. I think he can't play, and I think we need to have those two players, and I think he's made his mind up. He's going to give Sissi the first 45 to 60 minutes and tell him, yeah. run yourself into the ground and do what yeah. you can. Yes, I understand you couldn't trap a bag of cement, but you've got other attributes <laughs> in the game, and you're working very, very hard. Then Mitrovic comes on, and it ramps it up. And, and the minute he steps on the pitch, everything ramps up. Everybody gets G'd up. It's, 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 it's obviously part of the plan. Now, having said all that, you'd probably start Mirovic at the weekend now. I've opened my big note, he said that. But that's what seems to be what he wants to do. Um, and you know what? While it works, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, I, 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 frankly, I don't care what 11 he puts out, what order he makes the substitutes in or whatever, as long as they get the business, that's, that's all we've got to focus on. One game at a time, one game at a time, one game at a time. That's it. Steve, do you think he needs to play two up front? Against Alan Pardew's uh, defenders because uh, you know he's got he's got Yernick, he's got Scott down up there. You can't just have one player like Cici because they'll. I I I think they they we need two up front against their their, their defence. I I I know what you I know what you're saying, but if you if you've been working for the last three or four weeks on a system yeah. that has. A, 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 a willing and able runner, someone who drags the Scott Dans and the Yedinaks of this world all over the place, mm. and then brings on someone that they would have been happy to mark up when they were when they were fresh at, at, from the start of the game to put in their pocket, and then all of a sudden find, hang on a minute, I've got it, I've, I've, I've been having the I've been having the run around for an hour, and now I'm going to get battered, and mm. I'm I'm knackered from the run around, you know. Um, and you know, if he's if he's developed the system, the key to it is the space that Cissé makes, and the space that that then provides the likes of a Sissoko and a Wijnaldum if he's playing, a Townsend when he's cutting in to be able to take shots, and then the other midfielders and the wingers to drive down and and pull the ball back. And we saw what happens when you put decent crosses in, whether it's Mitrovic through the crosses going into us or Cissé. Cece's willing to, to stick his head in and jump up with a goalkeeper and, and, and get his head on the end of a pass, you know. So mm. I'm, not, I'm not bothered. I, I, I think, as I, as I said, we follow, you follow the hashtag, in Rafa we trust, you know. That's what it is. We're not going to sit here and we're not going to pick the, pick the team for him. We just trust that Rafa has a plan that he's, he's working with and work, working forward with. Um, and we're just we're just happy to go along. Whether he plays Mitrovic, whether he plays Cisse, whether he bring, whether he brings Wijnaldum back in, mm-hmm. I'm not that bothered. Oh, as long as what he's what he's doing is is going to get us the results, and I think he'll get us the results that we need. What do you think, John? Do you think that um, on Saturday we should play two up front with Mitrovic and with and you've got to figure into this. Rolando Ahrens seems to be. Uh, obviously coming on lately. Um, do, you, do you think he's going to play Mitrovic and Cece together? John? I think he's gone. He lost, John. <laughs> he's, had, he's had trouble all oh, night with his phone. Disappeared into the It's the final show of the season and he's gone, he's gone missing with the question to be asked. Uh, John, you there before I have to... Yeah. Okay. I've got this up. 
I've got myself cut off, mate, so... I'm it's alright. I just muted you because you were making too much noise. You weren't cut off. <laughs> so, so, ta so tell me, uh, on Saturday, would you play Mitrovic? Would you play um, uh, with Cissé? Or would you go for the... Would you go for um, De Jong? Because De Jong seems to be uh, nowhere near the team right now. He's not, isn't he? And uh, I'll feel sorry for CM because, uh, you know, he's a canny player, him, mind. And uh, when he's on it, sort of thing, he is good. But would I play CT in this picture at fun? Um, it'd be nice to see him play 4 4 2 because Palace got some big players at the back, haven't they, sort of thing, you know? Mm. And uh, but you can't have CC play against these guys because um, they just um, going to eat them up hard there and that is the problem but we definitely need to play two up front but will Rafa play two up front mm. I'm not too sure because he's always been a 4-2-3-1 man and the only reason to play far far two is, is like if they're losing like 10 minutes to go then they just have a go and go for it but will he change the system I don't think he will I think he's still going to play a 4-2-3-1 but um I'd like to see 4-4-2. Well, uh, let's, let's see what happens. Uh, the thing is, I was surprised, Stephen, that he paid Perez in the first half because he looked absolutely knackered against Man City. And I must be, he brought him off at half-time. But I thought that decision, I understand it, but it, I thought it was quite poor, actually, when I, when I saw the fact that he was, uh, you know, he, he played him from the start. Steve? Oh, I, I think that with, with Rafa's, Rafa's looks at players and he looks at what he can get out of them and whether he can get out of them for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever and, he, and he, he's got players that he trusts and he's got, he's got a system that he's wanting to operate. Mm. Um, Perez worked his socks off in the, in the previous game um, mm. and, and Perez does give you something different at times when he's, when he's awake, when he's, when he's available. Uh, and, and when he's up for it, it's not that the case of, of, of he's a salty player or anything like that. It's just sometimes he, he, the opposition just don't suit the, the, mm. the, the players that he's up against. Don't suit. He you put the ball at his foot and he can turn on a sixpence and he can bring the ball under control and he can put the ball in, in the net when he gets when he gets a chance. Um, it's I think that yes, he, he did look tired. Um, it, it was a it was a struggle for him, but Rafa spotted that. I don't know whether he was carrying a knock from the mm. first half as well or not, but uh, you know Rafa made the change that was needed. He brought a player on of equal ability, if not more ability, you mm. know, um, and uh, and the change worked almost automatically. You know, mm. within what six or seven minutes, we were we were suddenly back in the game, you know. Um, and we, we can't take that away from the, from the team. We can't take it away. We've got to mm. we've got to realise that. And I know people will say, well, it's Liverpool, and they, they took their foot off the gas. They didn't take their foot off the gas. Um, we just put our foot down that little bit more, and we showed them that we're up for a fight. I think the one thing that is an interesting subplot is that CC, when Alan Pardew's up against it. Uh, when he needed a victory and he, he was he was going to get sacked numerous times, I, I think the whole game especially, when Cissé came on, you just, it it just comes across to me that it's set up that Cissé delivers the blow uh, that sends, gives Newcastle that much, that much needed victory on Saturday, Steve and then John. 
Then, yeah, but you, you also remember that on an, on quite a number of occasions, mm. Alan Podge who was relying on CC and he didn't produce the good yeah. up. So True. When that, you know, it, 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 it's it's that's the way that it, the, the cookie crumbles, isn't it? It's, it's mm. fine dividing lines, you know. Um, it could well be that that it's it, it's somebody else on on Saturday, you know, that uh, that pulls off a, a, a fantastic stroke, you know, and, and, and gets us, you know, Anita, perhaps, who, you know, he didn't, he didn't play that frequently uh, and was in and out of the team when he, when he was there mm. um, and, and really didn't do much um, under Pardew. Perhaps mm. that's the, the player that can do it again. Um, Sissoko, you know, who for three seasons languished, two seasons under Pardew, um and languished and didn't and didn't really perform. Maybe he's the man. Who knows? It could be Cece, um or it could be one of the one of the fresh new players. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not really bothered. <laughs> 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 I just, I just want yeah. to win. You know. So give me a score for Saturday, John. Before I end the show, tell give it to me. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tight. I'm gonna be honest, but we're gonna need to be patient on Saturday for quite on to you guys. But we are gonna win. We are going to concede, but I'm going to go 2-1 first, and, and it's going to take us one step nearer for CFD. But I'm going to go for 2-1 for the Aslan, and um, let's do it. Exactly. Well, let's hope so. Thanks, everybody, to being on the show. You, you don't realise what it means to me for everybody to come on uh, to and talk every week, with, especially with all the, the issues that I've had with my, with my dreaded laptop. <laughs> But uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, everybody on. Obviously, I'm going to Australia next week, so um, for three weeks, and that'll take me, and I won't be able to do the show for the next three weeks. So thanks so much, everybody, coming on. Steve, I appreciate you as ever. Uh, Neil, obviously my co-host. And John, always the final call of the night. Let's hope when we come back, uh, obviously we'll tr- I'll try and meet you all for a drink, and I'll, I'll be buying. So thanks so much for coming on, everybody. It's been a top show. Okay. One of the best thank guests. Thank you very I've- much. And it's been a pleasure. But thanks so much for coming on Toon Talk. Remember, the show will be available on iTunes within 10 minutes on iTunes. Or you can listen back on the tweets uh, that I'm going to be sending out. But once again, thanks to all my guests, especially Steve Hasty, uh, Neil Mitchell, and John, John, John Newcastle. Thanks, thanks, fellas. Cheers. And uh, th- thanks so much. It's been a pleasure, lads. Thanks very much. Cheers. 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 I will. I'll try. <laughs> Thanks very much. Stay on for a minute, Neil. (laughs) Thanks very much. And it's we're leaving with the upbeat Taylor.
Thanks everybody for an amazing